and I gave them a, a rope of climbing. Machination log zero, zero, ten. Shit, that doesn't work anymore, does it? Machination Log 010, Murder Hobo Fantasies, Volume 1. Hey everybody, welcome to the Actual Garbage Podcast. Either Machination or Consumption Log Boo Boo Bop. This sort of rides the line between the two, so I'm not sure which camp it's going to go in yet. My name is David Paddock. To my left, we've got Nick LaCastro. To his left, we have Javier Ramey. Hey guys. And to his left, we have John Fuller. Hi! We have two new people on this cast, which is a first, and they're flanking me, which is making this even worse, as well us... as a great tabletop <laughs> pun. Yeah, let's segue this in real quick. Perfect, really. We're here to talk about tabletop RPGs. This table couldn't be less diverse as far as playing them goes, but that's not going to stop us. Yeah, we've got different diversities of experience, so that'll do for now. Different diversities. I like diversity. I like this hedge. Mummy. I like this. No, I, I. We're keeping that. Nick. Great. Who are you? Uh, I am a person. I have played tabletop games before. Uh, are you asking my profession? Or are you whatever you feel is necessary to guide this much discussion? You need to introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, I'm your average nerdy fellow who enjoys playing RPGs, tabletop or the you know the non-tabletop variety, like you know virtual. So fab tabulous, John Fuller. Hi. Who are you? Uh, I'm also a nerdy guy, friends with a bunch of these goofy guys, and uh, Nick got me into D and D a little while back. And uh, need to get the like, campaign going. Maybe like two soon. years at this point. Maybe a little less. It's somewhere around has there. Has it been it's, that long? The the biggest issue has been just getting people together. Oh yeah, it always sure. is. Nick, so. how many people have you indoctrinated? Oh, a lot. I'm basically a cult leader at this point. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the, you're partly dressed like the, one. Yeah, no, I mean, I can put my hood up. Wear while yeah. we're there. Yeah, no, it's really weird. Also, Kool Aid is a common, you know, consumable. Yeah, we so. always like wanted to bring beer, but we're bringing Kool Aid instead. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, as long as it's alcoholic, it doesn't matter. Fair. I've probably brought in about four or five different people to D and D. Oh, that's way fewer than I thought you were yeah. going to say. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you consider like the Adventure League and stuff like that, then I brought in way more than that. So. No. Yeah, I don't know. So we can discuss that. As as may have been alluded to, we're mostly going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. That's where most of uh most of the experience tabletop wise is around this group right. and uh that may make it fall. I guess that will end up probably making it a consumption log thing. Talking about D&D, the 5E is presently out for the purpose of historicity. It's been out for a while. Yeah, it's been checked. Year, yeah. yeah. It's better than the old ones, though I would contend that's still a problem. Um <laughs> but we'll get into that. Um, so we've got the history on Nick's side. Nick, you've been playing D&D for how long? Uh, for about two years now, uh, actively and recently a lot more. But I've also been DMing as well. Yeah. So. Hav, what's your experience with the D&D circuit? Jeez, I think the first time I played D&D was, it was not the summer before high school. It was probably a year or so before that. So I'm going to go with about 12 years at this point. Yeah. And you haven't DM'd yet, have you? I've DM'd once. DM'd about seven levels of a campaign for... Oh, okay, never mind. I retract my statement. For a group. You were in it, actually. Yeah, you were imaged in New Sokovia. I believe you. <laughs> John? Um, I started about two or three years ago. Finished one campaign in the middle of another that uh, Nick's currently DMing. And uh, hoping that gets going again soon. Yeah, it's it's fun times. I like uh, this is actually like a, a third, no, maybe like over half of our normal crew. So yeah, yeah. right, we're close. Yeah, we'll just start one right now. All right, so <laughs> welcome to uh, 
Welcome to what is it, Minds of Dram? Or what the hell are you playing? Before oh, no, this is the completely custom uh, game yeah. that, I, that I've made up. I've created the world, the universe, etc., etc. Oh, okay. Yeah. What were you up. printing out? Oh, that was for Adventure League. That is a that is a much more stringent and like rigid. Uh, they use all the uh, uh, you know uh, components that are already out there, like the pre-made campaigns and stuff like that. So. Very official Boom. ruling, not a lot of house ruling, because you want everyone to be consistent with rules. Right. It's kind of like, it's more like an MMO, actually. I mean, you log in, you join a session, you play, gain experience, and leave. Oh, yeah. okay. As far as, I'm, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I was introduced to this sport by uh, Thomas Hightower in fifth grade. <laughs> that sounds like my character. Yeah, he brought in, uh, he brought to me a Dungeons & Dragons 2nd edition book, which was absolutely loaded to the gills with tables that were of absolutely no value to anyone. Jeez, that was still Thaco, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. It was, it was the beginning and end of Thak Zero, <laughs> um, which I'd explain, but anybody who cares already knows what that stands for. And anyone so, who doesn't doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah they don't. For the best. No, that and, and that ended up inspiring, to a large degree, my tirade against Dungeons & Dragons ever since. I'm a way more freeform player than most Dungeons & Dragons is designed to give you a template on which to adventure forth to slay dragons in dungeons, right. as the name might suggest, but it's not quite my speed. Unfortunately, like Applebee's, it's the only thing everybody can decide on, which is, I love, I don't know where I got Applebee's as the example for a stereotype, because it's completely inaccurate. Sounds like something you would have gotten from uh, Jeff Gershman. Yeah. Talks it's about Applebee's being like, eh, the place to be sometimes. Yeah. Lot, so. I'm, not, I'm not sure, but I, what is, what, so I mean, Orlando specific, Five Guys used to be it, but you guys don't live near a town center anymore, so. We're, no, we're I mean, for us, it's like Ale House and Wild yeah. Wings, well, just because they're open be late, the... and there's enough stuff there. All right, so we'll go with that. It's just easily accessible, and it has a wide variety of options. Yeah. So, let's get the hell into it, guys. What's so awesome about D&D, the alehouse of tabletop RPGs? Man, that is the question. Uh, well, you're the newest one, John. Uh, I would I would think you would have the most uh, virgin <laughs> opinion on yeah. the matter. Okay. Uh, so, what do you think? Why did yeah. you let Nick drag you into this? Yeah. Well, uh... The first time I... Well, because my charisma is through the fucking roof. It's like a plus five modifier, so... I, I ought to modify what I said. Nick was the first person I played with uh, regularly, but the first time I ever played at all uh, was at a friend's house um, a while back. I had seen them playing a couple times, and I was just very impressed by the fact that these guys were making a story from scratch, basically. It... I had very recently finished playing like Fallout 3 and Skyrim was starting to come out and I liked those big open multiple You're a Bethesdonian. You yeah. You're all about Yeah. You're about that open world jank. You're yeah. about Exploring running around stuff, <coughs> making decisions, sweet rolls and finding arathons. stuff. Yeah. Killing mm. Deathclaws, getting killed by Deathclaws. Um, was their group particularly storytelling heavy or did they did they mishmash between the two? Um between combat and storytelling, that's those usually people lean either hard on one side or hard on the other, or they tend to. It seemed like there was a lot of options for solving things with combat or diplomacy. Okay, like there were. What what version was that that you were playing when you um, when you first did the first like your that first group? That because I I think that's relevant to the question too because it, I uh, think it was four. 
See, I find that interesting because when we started, we were playing four as well, Mm -hmm. and four, from as we can all remember, is extremely combat centric, and all about the rules. And and God, is it annoying? It as DMing that was one of the most frustrating experiences out of any other DMing that I've done. It's environmentally Um, agnostic. (laughs) It doesn't matter where you are. Combat is always the same. Yeah, it is, and it's it's bogged down by numbers. Like, for instance, I mean, you being new with that system, uh, and then we had another new player playing with us as well who was brand new to D&D in general. Uh, they probably spent the majority of their turn reading their abilities versus using them. Yeah, there, um, was, there were so many little plus ones that were context-sensitive that I had written down on every move. Oh, if it's this, it's a plus one. We had one. to make flowcharts. Yes. No, it was yeah. it's like, no, it, there was diagrams. Best option for this I've situation. I've played 4E. I'm, I'm aware. Yeah. You guys are all looking at me like I'm going to be surprised by this. We're, we're talking I, I, and, We're talking at you as yeah. if you were the audience That's that are fine. now listening to us. All right, well, then I'll and, pretend <laughs> to be shocked. <laughs> yeah. oh. Every time after I complete a move and it's like, okay, that's my turn. Okay, you did like 28 damage. I would be fumbling through my stuff. Oh, I could have done like 35. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the funny thing too is he was playing a very simplistic character too. That was a rogue. So I mean, it's literally you know, it, in any other version of D anD D, it would have been, what do you want to do? Flank move, stab. Move up, flank stab. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And this was like, oh shit! All like right. everyone in I, fourth edition is effectively a caster. You yeah. just have this yeah. many spells that are well, very it's, specific. Like it's said, MMO. Specific. It it was D anD D aping World right. Warcraft's design. Yeah, they wanted right. to try something like that, and which I mean, you, you basically had hotkeys. Yeah. yeah. No, and and as long as you had a you know a decent understanding of them you could probably mishmash through you know combat relatively quickly right. but compared to 5e and 3.5 which we started with uh prior to that that was the first version of D I played uh those were once you knew your character everything flowed so much faster you didn't have to worry about you know you know you said like short of wizards but yeah no, because you right. swing. Right, right. You swing, yeah, it's like, and you're done. But yeah, the cool sometimes thing is you get an upgrade that's like kind of small, but it's yeah. it's usually not a whole other ability that you have to read into again. Right. But it lets you be more freeform, like you were discussing earlier. Yeah. I mean, it's that's the beauty of it, you know. And if I want to actively describe how I'm going to do something, a pre-made, baked-in power is not going to let me do that because it already says it in the description. Yeah. And I'll say that since we've been playing Five E, I like that a lot more because. It not only makes it flow quicker, but if there's something more that, memorable. that I don't know how to do, I oh, can yeah. just be like, hey, DM. I want to do, do this on my turn. Yeah. How do I ha- make it happen? Which is great, because, I mean, that, that keeps the flow going and allows him to do what he wants, keeping the players more engaged in it. That's supposed to be the point of, and this is this is harkening back to AD&D or 2nd edition, edition Dungeons & Dragons. The reason they had all those tables was that they attempted to solve that the other way, where 5e starts has started to it's not actually freeform if you've played a if you play an actually freeform tabletop rpg mm-hmm. dungeons and dragons feels like a prison sometimes mm-hmm. because they they don't explain try to have a fight in a world of darkness campaign and you will understand <laughs> what it means to have no rules but we we won't get into that don't worry about it the um, i kind of want to get into it actually i do a thing uh, yeah. world of dark- yes Sweet. world of darkness is an entire set it's like a uh, it is a riddick specific uh environment no it's can i get a surgical shine job oh where was the uh it's but i have superior dark vision that exceeds 120 feet through magical darkness yeah that wouldn't matter no there's no world (laughs) of darkness well i'm boned world of darkness so it's a highly eldritch inspired darkness lovecraftian deal um and they 
they deliberately call DM a storyteller. They aren't unique for doing that, That's but a, there's... I've always felt that was the role of the DM, yeah, was the storyteller. Te- technically speaking, but Dungeons & Dragons, like I was saying, didn't start that way. Right, and that's where all those pre-made campaigns are like. Those are... Those, the story is taken out of your hands. It's how you work with it afterwards. I think oh, that's a lot of, to David's point, is kind of the, the developer's opinion on what the DM is supposed to do in, in you know, White Wolf or a World would, of Darkness. It's called a storyteller. So obviously yeah. the, what they're focusing on is how the characters tell their story. And D&D is about, you know, the dungeon master is controlling the yeah. dungeon. I would call, yeah, I would call him like a world builder. Yeah, exactly. So like, you, or the arbiter, the right? At some point, yeah. they make their arbiter. characters, the individual players, and get thrown into this thing and make decisions. Yeah. That's I, how stories happen. I feel like I went the extra distance in doing that, though. Most most other campaigns wouldn't have like a person building everything from scratch. They'd uh, probably be pulling from piece and piece. And depends. I would imagine. Depends. Yep. I, if you've got, and this is in Dungeons and Dragons, that's a little harder to do because you're working in a fantasy setting directly, where in I'm going to keep comparing it to World of Darkness because that's, that's my it's that's like, my primary yeah. other system that I didn't make up myself, um, <laughs> which is not what we're talking about. The, the um, David Twenty system. What? Get yours now. Buy a copy at I your local D- store. I call it D and David. Yeah, it's, but, uh, it it's in version ten. Yeah. It's in version ten beta. The um, <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly just lines on a page. Coming to your store yep. soon. But um, but no, there's there are benefits to the way Dungeons and Dragons is run in being that meticulous at times because I mean when I when I joked that try to have a fight in World of Darkness, that's not entirely a point in its favor hmm. because it's just hard sometimes to figure out what's supposed to happen. It's a lot more mind spacey than like on a on a board, I guess. Yeah, well, it's and it's not you're not supposed to win the way you do in Dungeons hmm. and Dragons. Hmm. I mean, there was a mentality. Early on in Dungeons and Dragons, the game stopped at level twenty because, yeah. for all the glory, you were supposed to have won the game by then. Right. right, like the game was supposed to be over. They introduced the epic level handbook in third edition as kind of a gimme to people who ran a campaign and forgot that it needed an ending, which right. they they haven't come back with in fifth edition. Actually, it, it stops no. at at level twenty, and then the the CRs keep going for the monsters. So. We'll wait. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> but uh. That's interesting you brought that up, actually, because um, that's been a stark contrast thing, because in 5e, the, the end game content that's currently out there for the published material is designed to kill the players. It, it, it says it in the book. Like, if you're a DM reading the book, it's like, if this didn't kill them, this next encounter should. Yeah, if you get past, like, yeah. level 12 or 13, it just starts becoming almost oppressive. Well, it's a, it becomes a gauntlet of trials. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which is, at that point, you're, you're a god. You're a god anyway. Well, so. well, that, and yeah, if <laughs> yeah. you're at level 20, you're you're playing the game for the silliness you of have combat. creation. You're, you're, you're yeah. crunching the numbers to see how fast your monk can fly through the air. Right. You get spells like Dimensional Elevator, and you don't roll, you know, your fireball is such a high level that you don't roll dice, you just take the average. Well, and you're balanced. When you're rolling, no, no, fi- I, when I you're still, rolling fifty d sixes, yeah, you still roll. You just don't, don't deprive me of rolling my d sixes, okay? That's a big thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying you can't, but like the damage difference is going to be like within ten, and on fifty d six, it's it usually not worth it. <laughs> I say usually <laughs> balancing on clouds and such. Yeah, exactly. But it is fantasy, right? So that should be totally fine. Yeah, it's, it's a fun <laughs> idea to think of, and players like like what would it be like to be the superpower fantasy, where you just do whatever you want. Does anyone here tend to stick to a certain class in that game? I would say John is the prime candidate to talk about that. Um, <laughs> first it... one, it was a rogue. Now I'm doing a ranger. But in general, I do things that actually start physi- with R. You, you are... Physically fight? Yes. He, he, is, okay. he, is almost, he is almost always a survival character. But it's interesting because I feel like that mirrors your persona. Yeah. I'm, almost identically. I'm very into Bear Grylls and wilderness survival <laughs> stuff. 
I was at one point uh, prototyping making an Assassin's Creed blade for you, which I apologize for not following up on that. I remember that. that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would been really cool. I remember cool. drawing the diagram. I, mm. No. I bought all the stuff for it and then threw it away surreptitiously. <laughs> that Damn. sounds like a David thing. Raise his hopes do and dash them quite effectively. Bravo, sir. Yeah. Tragic waste. I mean, if you want to give it a shot again, if you happen to be down for a period of time, I've figured out how to get my shit together enough to make things in three days now. So <clears throat> that's not a promise, you, but it's a promise. We, we have another promise. <laughs> that is quoted. Uh, we have well, audible time. proof. You are all the well, witnesses to I that. I get to edit this. So, <laughs> more so. <laughs> Please don't edit me out. Oh. More so than playing one Remember particular me. character, I usually like dislike p- particular characters. Like in my in most of the groups that I'm in, uh, people like other people like to deal damage. They like to to be the murder hobos. Yeah, they're quite literally a group of murder hobos. People I like, had never heard that term before. Really, Thomas brought it up. Oh man, two days ago, I had a, I had a, <laughs> a whole I had a whole team of murder hobos the other yeah. day. It, and it's, it was, it's crazy. I seem to always have a team of murder yeah. hobos. Well, yeah, you it's know. an interesting idea. And it's so I'm always almost always playing a support character. Like I'm playing a bard, I think, in um, our 5e campaign with David. Mm-hmm. I'm playing. You're playing a wizard in a, my campaign. A wizard in Nick's campaign. And, and I'm trying to emphasize rude. like a little bit of control, like not spamming fireballs because you're, it's the least interesting thing a, a wizard can do is deal damage. It's like the one character that can do something other than deal damage. That's what I'm feeling like. I feel like you're you're a controller almost by trade. Yeah, most you're, of the time I like to control or support. Yeah. Like do you like blue and Magic the Gathering? Oh, it, I play most of the colors. I play all plays, the colors. Plays a lot of blue. I'm a green white mage, but you know, I'll, okay. I'll play blue. Which yeah. is actually, ironically, another control combo. Eh, most of the time it's It's more Pete, I guess. Yeah, yeah. but like, uh, I think, if anything, my favorite class is definitely Druid, because you have to do everything. Like, they're casters, they have a sufficiently high hit dice that they won't just die in combat. And yeah, the animal, I like dogs. Yeah, and the animal shape lets you, um, you know, do you just like dogs? Be a fighter. Like you get multi attack at level two as a a druid, so that's pretty good. The um the one other character that I played after my rogue died was a uh, monk. So again, damage, it, damage, damage. Quick damage, stealth guy who survives well. Well, monks have been doing everything forever, forever. So I. I mean, you can obviously, I, you'll be the first to attest to it. I like to, I'm a munchkin. I tend to min-max as often as possible, and I make builds in my hobby, you know, like in my spare time. So uh, currently what I play in a campaign, when I'm, since I'm DMing for most of the other ones, uh, I'm playing a uh, ranged fighter in another one that's not yours. Uh, and I've actually come to like that one quite a bit. Uh, they completely screwed with the ranger class in 5e, which sucks because ranger is probably my favorite of the classes categorically throughout D&D. I just like attacking from a distance, be it with magic or weapons or stuff like that. And they do both. And they do both. Uh, so And with hawks and shit. But as a ranged fighter, you're just maximized for damage, but you have some cool utility as well with, with regards to survival. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of just play everything. A current build that I've been working on is like a Jedi Sith kind of mishmash of different classes. Multiclassing is fun. I play DM so often this is hard to say. This is this was the other problem with you, uh, you default fighter quite a bit. Yeah, because I, I always remember David being a wizard whenever we played. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, this has changed over time. That. Mm-hmm. You hate magic. What? Yes, like, normally, but it also gives me something to do during combat, which in earlier iterations of D&D, 5e has fixed this a little bit, but certainly in 3rd edition, a fighter doesn't have a whole lot to consider on their turn. Uh, who's closest? How can I hit him? The wizard gets to... The wizard gets dibs on 
the player's handbook for yeah. the whole fight. Yeah, so, yeah. The whole just, campaign almost, yeah. really. Just, no, and I played a fight. I mean, the, the couple of times when I played a cleric and a fighter, I played them specifically with the un- sort of with the understanding of what levels we were going to be in an attempt to not if not munchkin at the very least exploit what was available to be right. exploited in I the mean, game. I, I loved your fighter in 3.5. That was a super you built a halberd whirlwind. Yeah. That that was awesome. That was just a dig deep of feats. Yeah, well that's <laughs> well when you're a level 9 fighter that's yeah. what you get to do. You yeah. get to become a whirlwind gimmick. Yeah. Which so, is fun. Real quick, uh, we've said it a couple times, and I'm not sure if we want to specify, specify. Do we want to say what min-maxing is and what munchkinning is? No, we are way too far in for that. But for those who don't know, min-maxing is where you deliberately build a character in such a way that you are emphasizing only things that matter to that character and absolutely de-emphasizing things that don't by exploiting the way the game is put together. So, for example, you have six attributes in Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. uh, strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, wisdom. charisma, yeah. forever and ever, amen. And the um, for most of the classes, they don't need most of those things. Yeah, they'll need two or three of them. For example, two charisma. Is the yeah. So if you don't need charisma, uh, there are a lot of ways they keep you from doing this, but you just you make that number as low as you absolutely can because the book says that doesn't matter in role-playing situations. Right. So just forget about charisma. Make that deliberately, regardless of whether it makes sense for your character, you just you push that all the way down so you can there, move the other stats yeah, you up. Just push, you look at one or two of the numbers, it's like, my character doesn't have to be there, smart. There used to be a scale, and I think there still is in 5e, right, where it, it shows you what are the equivalences for those attributes. So like, uh, if you probably. have an intelligence of I, 8, I you don't, are... They've sort of divorced themselves from that in 5e. In 3.5 there was, I remember yeah, that. There oh, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't want to be as dumb as an orc. It was like just, you know? centipede with like a 2 <laughs> intelligence. So you, you, I've never seen a scale, no. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think they have them anymore. Yeah. I think they've removed them. So yeah, and, and yeah. I guess if you're rolling for for those as well, then you have a higher chance of yeah, you get more variance. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of ways you can play into that. For example, Nick was talking about my character with Whirlwind. There's a feat called Whirlwind Attack that you have to basically craft a character around. Oh, but if you then yeah. combine that with other little mechanics, you can make that character ridiculously powerful. <laughs> yeah. But the fun part is getting to the Whirlwind Fighter is really boring. It's, it's, oh, there's yeah, like three or four feats, yeah, which nothing. is why it's critical to start at level nine. <laughs> yeah. so you don't have to worry about <laughs> any of it. Ironically, is what you did. You built that, another character. It died at the is, right level. I built a and character. You built a was, new character. I built a character that was good with shields from four to eight because <laughs> shields are only acceptable up to about eight, and then they totally suck. Yeah. And then that character died, and I, and I built a character that was amazing yeah. <laughs> for level nine because I'm perfectly capable of being a Munchkin too. A Munchkin is someone who is obsessed with the mechanics of the game and more specifically with winning the game even at the expense of the other players around them. Dungeons and Dragons, in addition to virtually every other tabletop RPG just for the sake of making friends, does not let you roll against other players. Right. That's Because that's a though. dick thing to do. Yeah, because if you just have a higher diplomacy, then you're I, just always telling your party what to do. So I they, tend, they, they keep that from happening. Yeah, and I tend not to allow that, too, when I'm DMing stuff. But uh, That's good. It's in the at, rules. At, well, actually, it, it's apparently it's up for some... Uh, in Adventure League, which is the uh, apparently, like, Wizards, you know, supported, you know, find a, find one of these in your card store and go play D&D every week or whatever... Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with what it, what that no. is? No, okay. it's like so, an L- it's like an LFG, you know, looking for yeah, group D and D. It's 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 a it's a, a casual group of people who like to play D and D, and then it, they just make sessions that run off of things like that. But I've every session I've played in over there, I that was one of the things that struck me was odd was that everybody was all for like you know, 
oh, I want to slide a hand this away from my buddy over here. And like, okay, roll against him. And like, I thought that was very strange because I didn't think that was allowed in five E period. Which, it's, which it's not, it's not which according be, according yeah. to the rulings and like that they they go by the book. That's like their mantra for adventure league. So I, I uh, found that very strange. But I don't know. I. I it just it creates shitty scenarios. Oh, it does absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and if you want to if you want to pull something over on another character in your party, make it entertaining enough to be worth everyone's while. And yeah, you so don't even have the roll. person who's getting screwed just like Still is laughing a, at yeah, it at least. Because otherwise, it's like I'm gonna keep an eye on this gem mm-hmm. because I know that this guy's a freaking thief and he's gonna take it. And if the guy rolls a high enough sleight of hand, then he takes it from you anyway, which like right. thematically makes no sense. Yeah. Now, and it's player intention is supposed to trump the intention of uh, is supposed Numbers, to trump yeah. the intention of NPCs right. because that's part of the reason you need to roll is that you don't know all the factors. Um, but that's but getting to a point where you're not actually doing that all the time is weird. Uh, it's it's the thing that you always it's the hump everyone has to get over when they start playing these games is that you have to dissociate your character from you. Yeah. Um, well, think which, about it. Which requires a degree of humility, which is not something that the introverts that tend to play this game are tend to have. Yeah. Right. And it's it's hard to divorce yourself from. But sure. once you do, the game improves tremendously. Coming from other RPGs too, where you're padded as the hero throughout the entirety of it as the hero. Yeah. You know, like like you were mentioning Skyrim and stuff one. like that. You were the chosen one. You know, when you get into a scenario like even in MMOs, people are constantly trying to compete with each other in the sense of having better gear being the highest DPS. That's why they have all these stat trackers and stuff like that. So the mindset going into RPGs these days has always, or has now, I would say, become, you know, I want to be the best. So I feel like it's not uncommon to find people, and I'm, I guess you're looking at me with that intention that, that I tend to do what, that. So, what? but uh, you, you, you're better about it now than when you yeah, started. Yeah, no, you, I, you have improved d- tremendously. DMing has changed my perspective my role-playing nature i doesn't it yeah no it really does and and uh honestly it's it's made me into a more of a i i like story i mean i like to write and that's why i like to dm but it, it's made me build characters around a story instead of just building around numbers well and in order to make an effective story you have to be able to let characters go and as a dungeon master you can't make them all amazing because right. that sucks for the players it does yeah yeah that's fair john when do you dm in your first campaign Oh God! I need to finish this one first. Yeah, this <laughs> one. No, this, you don't. I w- I played like eight years of D anD D before I DM'd a campaign, and it was it was pretty bare bones. My friends really wanted to play, and I was like, sure, I haven't tried DMing. So most of the sessions were like, I don't know. It felt like a fire emblem. Oh, I game remember talking about three point five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we did yeah. three point five. Yeah. Where uh, Patrick was the the ninja, uh, Nick was the sorcerer, uh, uh, Matt sorcerer. was the cleric. Um, but. It kind of felt like Fire Emblem, where I would like front load and back load each session with some mm-hmm. story, and then everything in between would just be a dungeon crawl. Yeah, uh, which, that's a perfectly which, acceptable yeah, way yeah, to play. For me, game. it was like the only thing I was comfortable with doing because I wasn't like I tried the improv thing, but my PCs are way more clever than I am sometimes, and if there's four and... of them, they're gonna out clever me way more frequently than I'll out clever them. But I like that challenge though. Well, I mean, it depends on I, how you I construct know, the You guys come up like, with some crazy stuff that the, that I've. Uh, the, Thwarted or allowed thing that you just winged. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was insane. Yes, yeah, so we we were uh, we were just like I said the set, the campaign that I run is completely custom, everything from the ground up, story wise and all that. So I I had built worlds in like kind of like a like a, a um, multiverse. Uh, no, and, and uh, like some of the video games do it now. Actually, like there's one of them, like uh, No uh, No Man's Sky, where it's like procedurally generated. So as you explore into it, it gradually grows around you. Sure. That's how I built this. So I, I gave them a template, 
And I said, you know, build your character around this template and then that world will build around you. So, uh, it, which made it really easy for me because when I was writing story, uh, it could change very on the fly because I like to do improv and I like to, you know, kind of mish, mishmash with that type of stuff. I've said that phrase a lot today. <laughs> I don't even, that's the first time I ever used that really. But okay, first, second, third, and fourth time. They, they were heading to an area as a group to go finish the big bad guy in this realm. And just by sheer coincidence, I was like, well, you know, you have a couple paths. You could go this way down to a city that ties into your backstory that I had not written at all. And he convinced the entire party to go do that. So I was like, oh, crap. All right, give me like five minutes. I'm going to build this entire area like on the fly. And really, I didn't do much at all. I, I t- asked them what they wanted to do, and the world built around that. So that they Once you have a good enough group that... That tends to be the way that it's preferable to do it. I always, whenever they put things like backstory, whenever they try to bake that into the design of one of the characters, uh, Fifth Edition has this all over the place because you literally pick a background mm-hmm. and an aspiration mm-hmm. and a flaw and a yeah, quirk and that yeah. stuff. I like the flaw edition. I'm okay with. I love that. I'm okay with all of that stuff because it at least it gives you something. It gives, it, you, a it gives you a little points to work with. Yeah. But I want the character. I want the players to actually build that in the story. I don't like having the DM oh. take care of everything because yeah. it leads. Not only does it it creates a di- a directorial intent to everything that can throw the PCs off because the PCs in case I, this is the wrong time to bring up the PC stands for player character. So we're just going to move on. <laughs> we're saying a lot of lingo. <laughs> you might take these as signs of disrespect. Yeah. But, uh, Whatever. No. We mean no ill will. Yeah. yeah. I'll have a key. Yeah. I'll have a key for it in the in the notes for the podcast. It'll but like the, um, your, yeah. Yeah. The, um, but no, it's it, one of the easiest ways to make sure that the players are not just looking at the spreadsheets for damage the whole time is to incorporate them in the story by forcing them to decide what happens because if you are making decisions for the DM that are in your favor and not entertaining, that annoys everybody. Mm. Oh, it ruins, that, it and, ruins everything. And that self-consciousness, it, it, well, it becomes, it's reinforcing. It becomes who has the biggest dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and in a game table, that's as social as D and D, like you, you want everyone to be having fun because you're investing mm-hmm. a lot of time into like each, even into each individual session is going to be three, four hours long, and, and that's just you guys. Yeah, you don't. The DM yeah, exactly. put hours past that. Yeah, and you, you don't want time, yeah. everyone to feel like they wasted all that time. So yeah, everyone, you wanna, like you said, there's a little bit of social pressure. You want to yeah. see each character that your friends have made see the end of their story. Yeah, exactly. You want to see what they can can come up with. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, that's why I, you know, what I what I like and what I would recommend to a lot of DMs who are, if they're going to run stuff, is tell the players you're playing with, you know, hey, make a backstory. And it might have things that pertain to the rest of the story. So, you know, that's what I did with them. And it ended up having a lot of cool little, you know, like new enemies that were tied into your history. Mm-hmm. You get to fight dudes. It's like being Superman and fighting Lex Luthor. I'm know? not sure how much it, this is. A, this is just a weird. I'm not. I'm not specifically saying this in opposition to that. That no, is one way that, to do it. I, I I've found recently that I prefer an emergent backstory where you regarding... justify you justify what is happening, basically by retconning it into your experience. This allows you to actually talk about the things in the game itself. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little harder to pull off. I mean, just writing a backstory, it's nice to have a, an understanding of who your character is supposed to be as opposed to just numbers. It is. This is to your point. Like That's that's the benefit no, I, of having one. I see where you're coming from, and that's, that's why I gave them the world ahead of time 
and told them to pick from that and build their character's backstory with that. Right. Yeah. It so wasn't it's, like a... it's, it wasn't like, you know, I'm in high school and then like, you know, well, that there's no high schools in this. So right, that backstory yeah. is out the window. And then, you know, like, I'm a pirate. Well, too bad. We're not on the water. So we live in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's they have desert pirates. You can yeah, be, I guess they can be a little sand pirate. Sand pirates. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, I mean, that's that's what is I that did. A with the... term? <laughs> if it isn't, it is now. Well, I, I think what you're saying is kind of like, like you, you kind of grow into your character. Like it's you have you can have the idea beforehand and what, what roughly you want them to be. But as a character runs into a situation, like you slowly get to the point where you think, what would my character do here? Well, I'm deciding right now that my character would do this, and that's how you start building your character, and the DM's able to kind of go off of that. Yeah, it's it's just it's dangerous to try to do that too far in advance because you don't know without saying it out loud what is actually going to be satisfying to play. Mm-hmm. Oh right, uh, and that's that's one thing, Nick. I know you were resistant to this because we, I hadn't signaled to you this was how this was going to work, but. <laughs> You were a rogue in one of our previous oh, campaigns. Yeah. Cade Harkness. Yeah. And we, That's, uh, that was one of my favorite characters. Cade Darkness. And we, um, you were supposed to have three contacts, but I wouldn't let you designate them in advance. Right. We it, just did them as they were necessary, which from my side looked super cool and like in the yeah. flow of the game, but I made no indication to you that was how that was going to work. So <laughs> no. maybe maybe a little bit of signaling prior yeah, we, right. would have helped with that. Like just just give me how about you give me the names of the but, characters and I'll tell you what they did. But, yeah. But I just the notion in my head that I mean, that seems like the perfect cool thing for a contact is, don't worry, I know a guy and you just yeah, say the just name of the person and, he's there. and walk somewhere and you're there. Yeah. Like I like that a lot. I think had we talked more about yeah, that, <laughs> if, we, if we hadn't just been like opposed at the beginning, I think that probably yeah, would have played out a little better. Maybe. Because I actually would have preferred that to having Miguel, who uh, was a coward and pissed himself in a corner. Oh, so. see, okay. Well, and was of no use to me okay, whatsoever. Well, well, in addition to the signal, It became thing, Pulp Fiction. Well, yeah. I mean, I... I would apologize for this, if only because the signaling thing actually went two layers deep. Because in addition to giving Nick contacts oh, right. on the fly, I also made them unhelpful up front. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Which was story-driven, but they did not follow the story for it, so that never actually panned out. Let's just say it's tough being the, the best thief in all the land when everybody in your hometown knows you're the best thief in all the land. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like everyone's locking up their chest when they see you down the street. And I'm like, hey, can I go in here and like roll for like you know a charisma oh. check or whatever? And they're like, uh, no, we we grew up with you. You're yeah. an a, you're an ass. Uh, no, notoriety yeah. is my favorite yeah. part of it's my favorite part of role playing murder hobo heroes. Yeah, is, is that your reputation had better fucking precede you. You well, kill hundreds of people. That's where alignment should come into more play, which they downplayed a lot in Five E. But they had a lot of, and, and like alignment was almost like a necessary thing for like picking classes. Alignment at a was a little stringent. Three point five, like well, if you want to say like, paladin. To some extent, it made sense. Like the barbarian has to be chaotic. Like yeah, I can kind of see that because it doesn't doesn't make sense that he wouldn't be I, or like I I still don't know that that's justifiable. The druid was I, I don't any think it is. any neutral. It's like there had to be some kind of like give and take with nature. But it was like it was when it got super strict. Like the paladin has to be lawful good. Right. That's one of Which the only ones. Super th- boring paladin. Well, like. Well, yes, it's it's very very typical. But to be fair, I'm still I'm still on the side where paladin shouldn't have been well, a class in the first place. Yeah, they, they should have been a prestige class. That's yeah, right. they Always did. Been. They did open it up a bit though. In five e, you have uh, oathbreaker and vengeance paladins, with which both give you a lot more leeway to having the abilities without having to be you know owed, you know devoted to a specific. Well, element. yeah, they explain it away to an extent. Right. And that's, I mean that is one way to go about it. I mean five E by having the branches at third level, they Which I deliver love. That, that that is was so a good cool. Yeah. It is so cool. Yeah, that was that was smart certainly. It's, but, it's early prestige, which you know, yeah. 
was annoying to wait for in yeah. 3.5. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna be honest. You know, yeah. I wanted to be a blood mage from the beginning, and like I couldn't. You gotta so. wait eight levels, and then level one kind of sucks a blood mage. And then <laughs> getting a campaign to stick past eight levels is near impossible. Yeah. So. yeah. Though I did think, um, to that end, that's one of the things that fourth edition actually did do really well. Uh, instead of building, gasp. <laughs> instead of strictly building all of the the classes thematically, like the paladin has to be a devotion of God kind of thing. Mm. It was they gave them uh, like roles, which I thought was really useful in building a party because like you know oh. the four the four rogue party is kind of funny and all like what we were talking about before we had a striker defender exactly leader. yeah they, they they brought in the terms leader striker defender and controller in the sense that you have to realize that not every character is going to be doing all the damage sometimes your damage your your role is to draw aggro you just want to keep everyone away from your friends you're not going to do a lot of damage. That's right. You're just going to stay around, and they're not going to get hit. That is your job. To make sure they don't get hit, and that's the defender. The controller keeps your, you know, your enemies from doing as much to your friends by, like, you control, like, you're good at fighting multiple enemies. The striker does a lot of damage to one enemy, and then the leader buffs the party. And that, they kind of, they kind of held that over a little bit. In... It was very MMO-esque. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, and that's, Looking that's for tanks. It's, it's you know perfectly what I mean? like... gamified. Yeah. Right. It, it, by incorporating that, yes, it makes you a well-rounded party, but it also completely de-emphasizes the actual role-playing part of the game. Right, right, for sure. But it did, at the very least, like, thinking about that in the future, it does help you build a, a party better. Like, even though the, the roles aren't as, like, oh, well, yeah, obvious you, in the later It's good editions. for new people, right? Right, I mean, yeah. at that point, because if you're, like, John, you were a new person to D&D &D a little but while ago. 4E brought in a lot of people. 4E was ex exceptionally popular, mm -hmm. even though... I was told it, that that was the reason it was made. Well, they had but, the, yeah. the character maker online, too, which was super useful. Yeah, well, like, and, again, it mapping to... The most popular video game of its time. World of Warcraft. It was say of all yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> it's still probably up there. So. Yeah, probably. No, it's um, no, it's it's a good gateway drug, into a good gateway drug, <laughs> Don't do drug into kids. tabletop RPG. It's a little bit removed, but well, you know, gotta get to the hard stuff eventually. <clears throat> but yeah, so it, it, harping back to that, I mean, I I think that both helped you learn how to play D and D by by aligning. He's with talking what? to John. Sorry, yeah, I think that both helped John figure out what he wanted to play off the bat. You know, he's like, I want to attack things stealthily. It's like, cool, the striker's probably going to fit you most closely. But at the same time, I feel like that might have pigeonholed you into that archetype completely. Maybe. And stunted your development forever. Correct. You oh, will never man. be the lovely controller that you I, were meant to be from birth. I did have a, a one-off where I played a wizard. and Oh, yeah. I got stuck behind a wall and was just, like, <laughs> blindly throwing magic missiles over the wall or something like that. It, and it was... It was very loose it was and boring. It, it wasn't with us. This was, <laughs> this was, this was some uh, other just one-off session that... But it was fun. Your father, right? The, yeah, the, the Warforged the, wizard? The Warforged wizard, yeah. yeah. I think there's, there's actually a fun uh, dynamic in the interplay with PCs and NPCs that you mentioned earlier, how like becoming, um, not NPCs, but between DMs, how becoming a DM changes your perspective on uh, being a PC. And my favorite thing in the world is when you walk into a room that's obviously trapped, you have two ways of going about it. You can make your DM smile by really obviously walking into the trap or being super apprehensive that your character probably wouldn't be in the first place, but you don't want to take the damage. So it's kind of fun, like having being behind the the curtain, even just for a little while, lets you appreciate like how satisfying it is when your opponent, when your when your PCs just walk into a gray ooze. It's like, well, that sucks. Oh man, a gelatinous <laughs> cube is one of the best experiences. Yeah, exactly. Or there's just there's a treasure chest in the middle of a lot of bones. Mm. See, this is nice. definitely a mimic. I'm gonna walk up and kick it. I'm gonna open it as fast as I can. Like, there's... meanwhile, the rogues like, no, wait, but I have these lockpicks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. 
you don't want to take too much away from the PCs because if your rogue wants to open locks, and yeah, you gotta let them open the locks. But at the same time, sometimes it's it is really fun as for a PC to and satisfying for the DM to just like throw the DM bone. It's like yeah. I'm gonna walk into this trap and we're all gonna laugh because that's what you wanted to happen. Well, that or a TPK, you know, yeah. one of the two. So okay. well, you know. I'm gonna say I think Sherlock Holmes may have ruined me. <laughs> Uh, what is that with being hyper analytical? I think I finally because uh, Nick and I again with the, with the rogue thing. Yeah, that I was... don't like rogues, and I've traced back why. But it wasn't it's... even just the rogue that you didn't like. You didn't like the rogue that had magic. What? Which which? Because the magic it even was further. Well, because the magic was it, invisible it was, it was lock in picking same, at a distance. It's too convenient. <laughs> it solves too many problems. Let like me... I want I want more MacGyvering in the game and Less what's, MacGuffin. Well, what's, then... what's funny is this this is massively ironic. The scene I'm imagining, I'm talking about the Sherlock Holmes movie. Yeah. With Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Every time a rogue tries to do anything in Dungeons and oh, Dragons, yeah. now I just imagine oh, the scene yeah, like where he's breaking... trying to open the lock. Yeah, he breaks out his Kicks picking the door. Kick that he just built and like slowly gets at it and, and yeah. watches, watches, watches just picks it in. This that image is in my head every time a rogue tries to do something in the game. Yeah. It's like this is this is the lamest way this could be going down. <laughs> and I just don't like that's why my current campaign is just blood and nonsense. I'm leaning as hard as long into, as there's no more boats. What that's a, that's a trope I enjoy, but yeah, no, no, we're done with boats. Good, thank God. Oh, yeah. Being the drift at sea is... Man, playing a druid on a boat is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you can summon dolphins. You're, like, you're surrounded by a bunch of dead nature that you're floating on yeah, exactly. around no more nature. It's It was miserable. By the way, I didn't my, have spells for a lot of time. <laughs> my sister pointed this out. Killer whales are evil dolphins. In a way, yeah. I mean, they have killer in their name. I mean, dolphins are pretty evil in the first place. Hashtag yeah, the, I'm the Hashtag dolphin rape. My sister yeah. doesn't like dolphins. <laughs> like, they're just, they're like super evil, which is great. I guess like, they are called are you whales. Are you hinting at the next thing we might fight? No, but, well, no, I was saying that was <laughs> something Paul could have summoned as a, uh, as a druid. Oh, or, right. Yeah. Um, as a doodad. As the... But that's an interesting thing. I feel like every... Because I, you know, I, I didn't, I loved playing rogues until, and then when I started I'm sure DMing. I'm as a PC. When I started DMing, <laughs> I agree, rogues were pain in the butt. Oh, this is not. There's no denying it. it. But there's other classes that do stuff that just crap on everything you plan for. Yeah, like prestidigitation, the spell. The monk is, is <laughs> the, the one monk. that I dislike the most. Stunning strike is broken. Also, like early. It, it ruins boss fights. I love having super, like you play Legend of Zelda, Javier, mm -hmm. and like I love that series as well. Having a big boss that has all these cool things and stuff that, that it can do on its turn mm -hmm. and, and just watching it get stunned repeatedly <laughs> for one key point at a time yeah. and not be able to do anything because them's the rules. Yeah, that's boring. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, what were you gonna say? No, it um, the, the it's it's part of the problem is that the rogue has this fun dynamic where they try to make him real versatile to the point though where he's got oh I happen to have a skill that does exactly that thing. Well, he's not a bard, right? But yeah, where the bard goes. Oh man, I'm almost good enough to do this. <laughs> I have an approximate knowledge of many things. Yeah, the rogue yeah. just happens <laughs> to be good at all the things that matter. <laughs> I, I like Rogue for social interaction stuff. Mm. I admire them a lot for that. And the, the hardest thing to do with them, ironically, is stealthing. Because doing that with a party... Oh, yeah. yeah. Where the they're just party like, is my favorite. hey, wait, wait here for a bit. Nobody wants to do that. Well, and that's, that's the other thing about Rogues that bugs me, is that their justification for coming along is always the most strained. Because the Rogues are loners. Like, you, right. you stick to the shadows because you live alone. But some of the most... 
well-known characters in uh, like D and D have have been rogues. I mean, or rangers or stuff like that, which are also loners, or, like or, or like, fighters or clerics. Well, I'm saying like Drizzt or however the hell you pronounce that name, like Drizzt Dorden. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He's he's a ranger who was a loner for the vast majority of time, and he had to you know get past all his qualms of being a loner to party with other people. And you know, I haven't read any of those books. I have no idea. Right. Well, it's it's. Have you? Have you read up I, on this fiction? I've, Dragonlance? I've, yeah, Dragonlands. I've actually read quite a bit. Actually, it's ironic. Uh, Patrick, who's no, not here. Drizzt Ordens in Forgotten it's, Realms. It's, it's not in Dragonlands, but I've read... The things I have read You're were Dragonlands. That's actually, is he in it? No, he's not. Okay. But I, I've read some backstory for Forgotten Realms. But he is also like the like iconic that. character. Like every, he is. Every, yeah. you know... Which is sucks, because everybody wants to play a drow. Yeah, every webcomic mentions how everyone wants to oh play a drow. Oh my god. It, having a party... I, I, I was DMing a group the other day that had three drow in their party. Guess where that campaign was taking place? On the surface in sunlight. <laughs> they had a crap time. Well, they oh. should have improvised a little harder and maybe waited 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> we are only going to do things at night. Literally all yeah, it's it's. But that's what, I, I guess that's the beauty of the rogue. It's that character that like it as a like as a, a persona, as a role player, they they yeah, they would want to be by themselves more often than not, but they realize that they can't do everything by themselves. They need to they want to cue off of other people's expertise, yeah. maybe learn from it, you know, maybe get a little better at what they do by doing it. Or maybe just find better stuff by being with people that are great meat shields. Sometimes you need muscle. Again, strained, I'm not. No, <laughs> I, no I, agree. I agree. It's just compared but, to everybody else, they, but I mean, they why, seem weird. I feel like a barbarian fits, you know, that kind of strained nature as well. They're there to purely to to murder stuff. I could see a barbarian and a druid having a good time together. That's, uh, you know, that's what I had. We happened to play in one of our earlier campaigns. Yeah. Because I'm, it's it's kind of like the wild human and the human who, like, or. Yeah, like the barbarian goes, bra, and the druid's like, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty close to being an animal at this yeah. point. I can do that too. So <laughs> I'm a bear. Yeah. Um, and then um, another uh, silly thing that I wanted to mention in terms of, like, straining your DM that I. It just reoccurred to me what it was. And it was uh, the first time you DM for a wizard. Oh. is always really fun because if you have not been a wizard several times there are some spells that you don't know about like catapult and, yeah your That's pc will be spell. like i'm gonna dimension door while we're all trapped i'm like well uh, i guess you're somewhere else right now <laughs> like the rest of your party is toast but at least you're safe yeah or like david he's like blink in one of our oh yeah i think yeah. it was blink you, you disappeared off the plane into some other plane oh, yeah, and no, uh, yeah, you're just like a hummingbird and Wizards. you walk through walls, and I'm like, I guess this I mean, is cool. I mean, I, happens. I understand that I sound like an absolute curmudgeon, but I don't like magic, and I don't like thief skills. Like, I, I want the DM to hold on to those because they keep the They're game special. more mysterious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the way that PCs are powerful, I kind of want them to mimic... I want people to be more like John McClane. Oh, kind of rough and tumble. Than like, I don't even know who the comparison would be. Because uh, most heroes aren't like that. Just someone who adapts to every situation with whatever crap that they have, as yeah. opposed to having the oh, tools the for red, every situation. The red mage from uh, 8-Bit Theater. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, he just has a little bit of everything. Let me just rewrite my stats real quick so I can be good at this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, That kind I, of attitude. I want, yeah. yeah, I want the dude who's one, and granted, this is why D&D You want the flawed character. But beyond I like flawed, I want the weak character. I just straight, and this is, this is something that bleeds into all of my media. I don't, I just don't like... I mean, I don't like superhero movies. I don't like. I like people who are way down, who just happen to survive, and maybe not even that. Just David's overcome the, the next, plight. Next up, David's review of The Road, the goddamn uh, five star film by. If you haven't listened <laughs> I, to the man who wasn't there, <laughs> we got a hero there who doesn't. Uh, no, it, it, 
those are those are fun because I mean that that's that's somebody triumphing over insurmountable odds, or which, not. which as a wizard right. is very rare. Yeah, you know, but but as a DM, that it's a give and take, right? If the players are going to get creative with what they do, the DM has to get doubly creative. You know, you're yeah. the world. You you make what they interact with, and you and coming in as a new DM without playing a lot is going to be really difficult. But if you play a lot, then you kind of get in that mindset. You know, you you think like the player, and you know what to wait for. I mean, yes, but I also don't like having to call their bluff that way sometimes. Mm, True. Yeah. That you, gets a little... Again, it's a give and take. We're supposed to be friends. My, the mo- You're my not favorite part about D&D is hanging out with people. Like, so I don't play with anyone except for my friends. Well, yeah, and that's why, I mean, I just... It, that's how it's know, always I, been. I want, I want my villains... If a villain, if I don't want them... if I want, Let's just start that sentence back over. If I don't want the team to kill a villain... I want that to be because this is not the right time, not because they are insurmountably powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that locks the villain into a really specific archetype that I just don't find that entertaining. Mm-hmm. I want the villains to be... It, it makes it hard to make compelling bad guys when the players have facilities that I can't anticipate. Right. Because I then have to... I have to do a smock and every... Every villain has to have a mage escort that can go counterspell to whatever fucking thing it's you came teleport. up with. teleport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, granted, that's that's a perfectly good. Oh yeah, sometimes you just need a. I mean, I I do, th- and I end up doing that because it's the convenient, it's the, it's the damn, bio locked version of not letting people pick up guns in video games. Yeah. Does that not give the player something to look forward to? I mean, I, they did that. I love actually, like, um, uh, in Mega Man X, which is a great example of mm-hmm. that. They give you an instance at the very beginning where it's like you encounter a boss that is unbeatable. But you don't know that. You're fighting them and you're going through it and like you might you think you might be doing damage, but you have no idea. Like numbers are showing up yeah. if you're dealing damage. Yeah. But, but like you're shooting lemons and whatnot. But yeah. like just as like you, Paper Mario. Yeah. But as as you move exactly. forward, you realize that this is the, you just never had a chance. <laughs> and like the rest of that game is about you wanting to have that chance. Yeah, that's fine. Which is important. That that's how you grow. You know, you're starting off as a low level character. You're a, you're a great hero, but this is a big villain. And you have to build your way up to yeah. that. And thankfully, you had prestidigitation it's, or whatever the thing, like what smoke is, trick. There is what's nothing the, wrong with druidcraft, prestidigitation, and, and everything else that no, does what's, similar. No, what's the one that turns a campfire into a fucking smoke fest? Oh, uh, pyrotechnics, my okay, favorite spell. Yeah, that yeah, one I love also. that one. That was a great one. That one's Well, it could do two things. You could have a flashbang or you could have a smoke grenade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... I mean, for what it's worth, I'm That's also good, the man. DM that gives out faulty magic items. So. You do. <laughs> yeah. Those were hilarious. Yeah. I, like, I, so I missed my shot. How do you? That was a fun do you like, Roll a d20, and if it's low. No, I just faulty? come up with a stupid. Uh, I, I look in the book and go, all right, how can, I, yeah. how can I make this worse? <laughs> like, I made an invisibility cloak where. It just you you shook the cloak and it like flashed so everybody was blind, which is like invisibility. It's sort of the same thing. <laughs> you go invisible by being really bright. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or I had a dancing sword, but I didn't tell anybody it was a dancing blind. sword. I never understood the purpose of that item. What, that, that, it was a dancing thing. sword yeah. that danced when Alberto was playing his bard yeah, music. When he was playing the music, but it he would... had to figure that out. I wasn't right. going to tell him. Yeah, that was one of the things you gave me was uh, when I was playing the druid with a magic quarterstaff that dealt like extra damage to magic and you know like planar beings. Yeah. And the first thing I thought when I got a quarterstaff was, cool, I'm going to cast Shillelagh to make it stronger. And the thing, like, flips out of my hands and hits me in the face. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell, man? But I just really didn't like magic. No, I was like, okay, we'll figure this out. That was a great item, too, because you had to figure it out. Yeah. but that's I, I like that. And I like that, too, like, because... Uh, 
I agree. Everybody wants that that better weapon, that better magic item that they can get. They want to improve their character, you know, just like in any other RPG. Oh, I want to arrows go up. I want to get my sword of killing plus two, you know. But like, I like giving out like what was the, what was the first couple items I gave you in in your bag of holding right off the bat? Uh, there was a a flask of endless water. Yeah. And oh, uh, the immovable rod, right? The immovable rod, which immovable is rod. by far my favorite of the magic it's, items. It's one of the only good items I, in the entire Dungeon I, Master's Guide. It's been around forever. I love it's it. A hallmark. It's incredible. And yeah. and like even the, just it's, one. It's like the portable hole. That yeah. Way. And I gave them an, a rope of climbing, which sounds stupid. As it's a you horrible are, name. It's a terrible name. That's already what a rope does. <laughs> That's what but most ropes do. combining that, when they had to figure that out. They had three great tools that gave them access to a bunch of different things that they never knew they had access to. And I, it took a little prodding to get them to use it because they're like, oh, I'm a cool rogue. I'll just climb up this wall. But, like, when you combine things like that, like, you can come up with some really cool encounters. There was a, um, encounters. a hallway full of, like, was it landmines or, like, statues that breathe Statues fire? that breathe fire. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was a trap, trap entrance to a... And I figured out if someone in the group could get to the end of the hallway, but the rest of us couldn't. So I was like, okay, you take the immovable rod, tie a rope to it, and the rest of us just shimmy across that shit, and we don't trigger the traps. Yeah, yeah. And it worked great until somebody failed their grab rope and hold on to rope yeah, checks, and, and then fell, fell like in three different and triggered. I think that was you. No, I didn't no? fall. Oh, I'm the uh, acrobatic guy. Yeah, somebody basically like was, fell into one trap, triggering another trap, and triggering a third trap, which was hilarious. But he got all the traps out of the way, so he kind of did his job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Hmm. Trial by fire. Quite no, you can do silly things that people don't expect. Like you're riding on a horse and the guy behind you is chasing you. You just click the immovable rod and he's going to run right the hell into it and hmm. not even kind of see it coming. No, it's it's the immovable rod. And I mean, it sort of ties back into this is what makes it weird is it's it's a it's a device that flaunts the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. There's no, there are no numbers attached to the immovable rod. I think there's like a maximum weight there, or something. There is now. They, yeah. they, they, they stunted it. I think it's like you can have different kinds. Like there's one that's like 500 pounds. There's one that's like a thousand. Yeah, because you used to be able to put it in front of a ship. Oh yeah, watch the ship just get <laughs> which, shredded. Well, no, no, which, no, which is so cool. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a brilliant think, idea. It's oh, always no, no, no. had a, it's always had a weight limit. It's just the number was high enough that you it just, you just let it go. Yeah. yeah. Manish Taurus. Yeah, we almost there, did it, but there, we would have lost. A, oh yeah, that was. I was trying. I was on a ship. Like desert, a, like a desert ship. It was a skiff, sand skiff. Yeah, and it was falling into like a sand pit, like a sarlacc pit, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And I was trying to use the immovable rod, like wedge it into something in the frame to to fix click the it, boat to make with the boat it. stay in place, so we could like loot it or something. Yeah, to get some peace. I don't know what happened. Did it break? Oh yeah, so it it, it the held, rod held in place. Yeah, the boat tore in half yeah. from where where the the the, the, the rod the boat was crushed. The boat. Yeah, it, it was pretty silly. But. Which which you know. The rod can stick itself. Yeah. It would require a very strong object to, you know. But that's the beauty of it. And that's what I like. I, I found that out very quickly. And I, I feel that's where, like, the the experience I've had in Adventure League, which is completely different. Like, people go there to hunt specific magic items to make their character better. Because they know the campaigns that are going down and they know that this drops this. It's, it's Oh, are there few enough of them people know about them well, going there's in? Only, fifth edition's like a year old. The fifth so. edition only has three published... No, three or four main published story arcs. Really, and then yeah. there's a, a couple smaller ones that are like like short adventures, not like a full book. Sure. And then there's actually a new one coming out, which is gonna be awesome. I'm actually very excited. It's Curse of Strahd. It's a Ravenloft. Don't look like, at me like I know that. It's like vampires. It's, Ravenloft is 3.5. I think was was the last time I was around. Dude, I know and we don't go to Ravenholm. It was Ravenloft. It was an incredible so thing because go. the replayability of it was very high because all the materials you had with it changed every time. It was kind of like a, like a, an alternate. That's the whole point of it. All the other it's ones. It's like a roguelike D and D. Yeah, exactly. But uh, 
Yeah, no, it, I found that very weird. People were like, oh, I'm going to play specific to this, stash, to this session to get this item. Right. And all that reminded me of was, like, in World of Warcraft, like, I was farming for this dagger. Yeah, I'm, like, like, I'm doing like, this raid so I can get this item. And it has, they have need and greed, technically, too, you know, depending on the number of items you already have. Mm -hmm. Like, you have less priority or more priority for grabbing something. So it, it's, it plays completely different than the 5e that we play in, like, our campaigns, mm -hmm. which, like, is that's a testament to the game itself right there. I mean, it's just how widely it's know. so dynamic yeah. but i know it's not as i didn't you know as a world of darkness nah, but nah. whatever no i'm not again yeah they're for different people i've i've been in a lot of quite unsuccessful world of darkness campaigns yep how long do these normally go for what just as long as whatever I, between I, I one can, and two hours i could talk indefinitely as, as, as you know so let's keep talking about stuff sure john uh, uh so the med life how's it treating you oh um, oh, I just meant another 17 Okay, whatever. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, what What is something you like the most about RPG? Like, I guess this tabletop RPG that... Because like, you could have kept playing Skyrim. You could have just kept playing Fallout Skyrim. And you do anyways, but... I, I, I do play Fallout. I deliberately avoided playing Skyrim back in the day because it was in med school and I needed to not yeah. get consumed. It's an addictive, to... it's an addictive game. Yeah. But, but what, what... I played it for almost 13 hours. Oh, I played, I've, I've built a lizard a <laughs> I just have to learn Blizzard. I actually beat the game in 13 hours, which apparently that's not how you're supposed to play it. You can beat it way not. faster than that now. I mean, yes, yeah. you could. But, but it is an open-world RPG. Yeah. It's supposed to take right. you closer to 80. Like, all I want is my Macho Man Randy Savage Dragon, so oh, yeah. we'll go about our business. But They added those for Death Claws. Yeah, yeah they're in Fallout. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, so what is it about tabletop RPGs that differs for you, that, that was enticing to keep playing those versus just going back to, like, video games? There were... Greater options for creativity. There, there was, in Fallout, for example, oh, it's in the wasteland. It's 200-odd years in the future. You have these set things to fight against. You can probably find some power armor. Like, the world is built. Right. In D&D or other tabletop RPGs, you can make any dang thing. Yeah, like, you're always at least mildly constrained by the programming of stuff like Fallout and, you right. know, Skyrim. And I've heard it's friends freeform, of yours talking about, right? like, having a D&D session set in World War Two. Yeah, well, that's actually like, yeah. this guy right here that almost uh, flopped us into that. That's so. almost happened about four times. I've had many yeah, we've done a lot on of that. other ones. We did the zombie yeah. apocalypse for one. That well, that's, that's the short. D20 system, right? It's just applicable to well, yeah, you make can, make stuff. Here's your backbone. You, yeah, you can throw dice into yeah. anything. D20 Modern actually it's, did that. Yeah, D, well, D20 like Modern is, actually, is I mean, fun. It's completely broken. It's yeah. poor, it's it's poorly made, but it works. Well, it's fine. largely homebrewed, right. isn't yeah. it? Like, what? isn't the majority of it homebrewed? No, it came in a it came in a bound book. It was really? hardcover. It's a real thing. It's yeah. just it, it, every automatic firing weapon was a reflex save for no damage. Right. It was kind of... It was bad. It was kind of weird. Yeah. And C4 had no cap on its radius or damage. Oh, that's a fun so story. So you could yeah, just... Really yeah. fun. Did I ever you tell you that one, John? You could just add no, you bricks of C4. So you can get... Um, there was a dragon. <laughs> I don't know what kind of dragon don't it was. Don't ask why. Thankfully, it yeah. didn't matter. Because <laughs> my scavenger was gradually um, taking, like, clocks... And carburetors and shit, and turn those into C4 bricks. You were literally playing Fallout. Like, you yes. see a desk fan, and you're like, that has a lot of screws and metal. Yeah. That makes I'm going to turn that into a advanced plastic <laughs> yeah. explosive. Eventually, he had, like, a like a 20-foot-long cord of C4. Yeah, it was, it was a 30-pound brick of it. We C4 were gonna, how much damage? We were gonna, well, it's, 
it's like 3d6 plus 1d6 for every pound. Right. And then the radius gets bigger by three feet for every pound. So... <laughs> it starts at 10 and very quickly goes to, you know... A so, lot. so long yeah. story short, only one person on our party didn't have evasion. So only one person died. Oh, no. Luckily, our DM was nice enough to keep me alive, and the very next item I bought was a ring of evasion. Of course. And, and, I, promised, and I promised not to do that again. But, <laughs> well, it was a flying dragon, and I'm, I'm sitting here with a rapier. We've got, like, a gunslinger that had two pistols. One and guy's got, like, a sword, and I'm like, Dave's uh, like, no. This I got is, this this whip is obviously C4. not going to happen. Now's my time to shine. <laughs> the and earth appara- should. Apparently, I pressed the button and I went, Hoo, and I dodged <laughs> yeah. all the damage. Yeah, because evasion was, it was pretty good. It was oh, a pure yeah, anime was, oh, that geez. day. Yeah, but that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, that's a story that you have that couldn't have happened in any other game that I can think of. Yeah. And, well, yes. But that one was specifically in the... That's, that's in the camp of stuff that I try to lean into... On occasion, I just I've weaned myself off of it yeah, you, in recent you, time. You I would never I, let me do that. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, because you're a curmudgeon now. Yeah, I'm a total <laughs> curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I C4 went, back I went, in my days, that cost a pretty penny. I went, no, they yeah. had C2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, no, they had, uh, what was it, in Battlefield 2142, they that was had a, C5. That was a great oh. That was a great game, by the way. Let's. let's I liked uh, it. What I mean, if you like Battlefield 2, it is a reskin of yeah, that. There's exactly. no doubt about it. It was a lot of fun. But uh, mechs, <laughs> pod launching into bigger ships. That game in the PC version, if you looked in the process menu in Windows, it was called BF2.exe. <laughs> like they didn't even change the name. Maybe they ran out of space. There's <laughs> three other numbers they couldn't fit in there. Maybe they did. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The, the freeform nature of D and D is pretty nice, especially depending on how how liberal your DM is al- allowing you to be. Yeah. Of course, if you're not a jerk about it, usually your DM will be like, "That sounds awesome," and now I don't have to do it because you're doing it. I get right. to do it, like, I get to watch it happen. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, and, th- and that's the thing that I think is completely different from most games is that you can you can say what you want to do, and that could happen. In other words, right. like you're not like my A button only does this, and my okay. B button only does that. Or, like so. there's no set predetermined conversation options. Right. Right. Yeah, let's not play Mass Effect. Here, these are your choices. I I seduce this guy. Sometimes it would be a little bit easier because it is much easier to mess up a conversation than it is to keep one going in the right direction. But I I love that aspect of D&D because, like, I love improv and, like, like, being able to act and role play, like, verbally is a lot of fun. I like it when it goes well. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, I love it when it doesn't. (laughs) It's hilarious. (laughs) I think he almost got everybody killed at a king's court. Uh, hey, hey, I blame that on laggy phone stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Playing at a distance is tough. Yeah, yeah. Skype yeah. I was on interviews. I don't think we've ever had I to do think that. I was in Texas at that time, talking yeah. through a phone. Testament to himself. He's trying to improve his life by, you know, doing important things by with it. Getting then, a job. Yeah, and then and then playing D and D, you know, in a hotel Just room. Via Skype. Yeah, via Skype on office phone. Yeah. Yeah. So. Telepresence. It was FaceTime. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I had to hold FaceTime. my face. Yeah. I had to hold my phone to look at the battlefield the whole time. <laughs> it was pretty and, fun. And that's actually uh, something that a friend of mine does. He does D and D every Sunday with people specifically oh, online. Chris. Yeah, Chris yeah. Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, Off D twenty or roll roll twenty. Roll twenty. Right? Yeah, is yeah. uh, apparently called. like a D and D platform that you can do online where you just Skype in, talk to people. The DM has dice. a has a grid that he can alter and stuff like that, and then everybody sees it. I've I've heard of people playing online. I've never actually done it myself. I'm I'm, I'm one of those people. It annoys the hell out of me that I can't 
oh, right. be in Thomas's presence when I talk to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I just can't. I I have to be in the. That's why everyone's in the room right now. Yeah, like, I, I can do hard, it. Like if I'm trying to explain how I want to do something, you can cue off of other I, things I have besides to, like, words. Set the phone somewhere. And, like, yeah, no, it was funny. He would he would get back far enough to act it out. Like I want to slide and do this attack underneath, you know, in its gullet, and like, well, show me how you want to do it. So I can't though. Oh, screen's small. But uh, playing at a distance is tough. But I think that's, I'm I'm blown away by hearing stories about campaigns that have run for you know years. Yeah. Like years plus, because like we've played for technically two years, but. I would say the grand scheme total of that is it's maybe, maybe like, once a month for two years. Yeah, it's people have lives, and it's hard to get. We we went from level. I Thomas can f- amend this because he actually probably remembers, but we played all the way into epic level oh, wow. a long while ago. But we were kids; we had nothing better to do. Right. right. Once you were done, we actually that's not true. We had a lot of things we should have been doing, but we were not doing those things. Well, yeah. Um, no, that's You're being d- kids. Yeah. Enjoy your childhood. What? Don't enjoy no, your get childhood. Get a job, kid. Go work in the mines. But I think enjoy I, your twenties. It's a lot more fun than your childhood. Uh, but to yeah. be fair, your childhood is fine while you're in it. So we were supposed you, to leave but, it. W- exactly. And then you don't remember it, or you do, and it's embarrassing. So just fucking work hard, be a killjoy, and have fun in your twenties. Words to live by. And don't do drugs, kids, unless it's D and D. Unless it's Adderall. Or very measured amounts of cocaine. Right. Uh, I very don't measured. think I can agree with either of those. <laughs> Ask your lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Ask your doctor. We can refer you to Patrick yeah. Bobek. Uh, <laughs> attorney at law. Yeah. Uh, I do I do think that my favorite part, again, like I mentioned, of D&D is the social aspect. Like, I love just, like, hanging around with people. Like, I played Hearts with David and a couple of our other friends in college, like, Four nights a week, not because I liked hearts, but because, because I loved gambling. With... That was basically a role playing experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you know, it was, it was its own time. Because I just liked hanging out with David and Patrick and Steven. It was just cool. Like it's just a way to decompress. Like it's a fun thing to do with people. And if you've got a good party, then it's it's something that you guys can like agree and laugh on. Like when we're playing D and D here, like in David's campaigns. Oh my god, the time we waste. Oh, but it's dude. hilarious the for whole time. For a single joke, too. Yeah, for uh, a well, sometimes single joke. We can lose Matt for 10 minutes yeah. if the joke is funny. Yeah, he'll just, he'll laugh just off like screen double for... over, like uh, inaudibly, because he can't even breathe. This this Matt we're talking about is Matt Keep. He'll be on a future podcast to talk about Taylor Swift. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, is, that, is Patrick going to be on the other end of that? Uh, I don't know. You should consider Patrick <laughs> we'll, for the other end. We'll figure end it out. That. Yeah. They'll bring their fan club. Yeah. No, but that's that's always it's an excuse to get around. That's why I got rid of most of my board games that require too much thinking, aside mm-hmm. from the ones that are particularly good. Sherlock Holmes, right? Because that one's okay. It because, was fun though. Because everybody can fun. affect their best British accents. And, oh and God, I love that. Too. But I I'm gonna use those accents what? later yeah. for other stuff. <laughs> There are a lot of them. That was a lot of fun, actually. There's North, South, did it say that in Scottish, the Irish. That? No, of course. Yeah, it didn't you say just that. did it. It's implied. Okay. So I just <laughs> took that as <laughs> took that as part of the thing. I was like, okay, well, that's part of the game. Let's do it. So, Rule one: Don't look ahead. Rule two: Use British accents. <laughs> yeah, no, it's oh, that's, right, that's always right. it's always better to attempt to affect those things when you're playing board games. It's just some of them are more obvious than others. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay playing Power Grid um, every once in a while, but. It just requires everyone's looking at the board the whole time, mm. and the worst the worst offenders in the board game universe are the ones where people are actually taking their turn. Yeah, which is why I've deliberately tried to make games or even change the rules of some games. Like I've I've redesigned a choir so that everybody takes their turn at the same time because waiting for five other people 
to decide what to do in a game with that much analysis. It just sucks. Well, that's yeah. a that's a big point there for D&D, right? So waiting Absolutely. waiting for players to take their turn, which was a huge issue in 4E, not so much in 5E, but still, it's still, still quite a, a bit. problem. Especially for casters and stuff. So mm-hmm. what if, I mean, I play in your campaign, but I tend not to pay too much attention to those nuances, I guess, because I'm thinking about my own stuff. But what would be like a, a solution? I mean, because you you've obviously don't like that stuff too. So, you know... It's really hard to do. I mean, the closest I can get is that I have things that affect multiple people at the same time. I'm like, a fan of explosions. Oh, yeah, no, and I I agree with that, too, because, I mean, like, I think, and they actually suggest that in a lot of the uh, written content for DMs. It's like, you know, give your players, you know, X amount of time to come up with an idea for something. Like, like you mentioned, like, you know, entering that trap, or you meant, John, you mentioned entering that trap hallway. Yeah. You guys spent a good amount of time in a very hostile environment Thinking about how to go past a door. There was like an army outside of this building. Yeah. Had, had I been the DM that I am now, uh, there would have been some sort of repercussion. Maybe like a random event or something to force you to do something on the fly. Right. Which is, a, I, that's, that's how I tend to do that now. So like if somebody waits too long, like overthinking a situation, that's great. You know, that's your, your right to do so, I guess, as a player. But like, That's not great. Don't do that. You're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, remember that there are four or five other people who also want to do something. And the most mm-hmm. unsatisfying thing in the world well, this is... is to be the fighter, walk up, swing, miss, oh, pass yeah. turn, and then wait. Wizard's turn. No, no, no. It's that's, this one. That's the other thing I don't like about magic users is I think they have too many options. Well, sorcerers are a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they, right? they I mean, definitely limited a little. That was a problem even for me as a rogue. Yeah, like, well, that, that was the fourth edition. The fourth edition is... Though, just you, everyone had a million abilities and there was no overlap. spells. Yeah, you know, okay. so there, there was no overlap. This arrangement was... and it did this much damage. Yeah, and that was the stupid thing about that. Because yeah. like, remember, like nowadays, like when you were playing your rogue in that other one-off that we did with with uh, another Matt, uh, where you were like, I want to slide underneath this wolf because I'm a halfling and I'm small enough to be able to do that. Oh, that's and when you, I, that's you when you sliced the belly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. that was super cool. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't have done that in four E. No, the the lack of overlap is is the worst part. Because if he's like, oh, I kind of want to use this ability, and it's called like Spring of the Wolf Tip, I'm like, okay, I have literally no idea what it does. It's like, oh, I just walk forward four squares and I attack and then I move back two squares. It's like, okay, everyone has that ability, it just has a different name. Yeah. In four E or in five E, it's like I want to use darkness. You know who has darkness? Every spellcaster. We all know what darkness does. It's it's a lot easier to keep track when it's not like one's called darkness and the other one's fog cloud and the other one's like veil of secrecy. Like it's well, all the that, same effect. But they have those still. But <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's a lot yeah, more reduced. It's not literally right. every ability no, I, you I, have. I was just being. No, I figured. Yeah. And the other the other way you mitigate it is that you you don't have one bad guy. Right. Oh, that, yeah. that almost always causes the problem because everyone has one objective. It's one thing, like on the boat, the last, I promise, the last boat thing you guys will have to deal with. I, I completely don't believe that. I gave everyone, 100%. you shouldn't. If you know? I could roll insight right now, <laughs> I feel like, there. yeah, you'd be lying. Well, now I am, so congratulations. There I will did be it. more boat All stuff. Right, that's a critical. But you just, a boat, what I like about a boat is that everybody kind of knows. Construction of a boat. So if you need to do... Yet, how many times have we asked, is there a below deck? <laughs> there always is. It's just poorly delineated because it's a two-dimensional map. <laughs> but you just it gives you enough extra options for things people can be doing at any given time. And a boat is an excuse to have 50 people on it, right. which mm-hmm. is perfectly narratively justified. Whereas as a, when you have a situation... And granted, it makes it a little disjointed that everybody's not aiming toward the same thing. But the worst experience in D&D, as far as from both sides of the spectrum that I have seen, is... All right, I hit him. 
Okay, I missed. Okay, I hit him. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I hit or and you just go yeah. around trying to attack one thing because yeah. there's one objective you could maybe you could stun, for example. Correct. You could have specific things you could do, but all you have done is slightly modified the exact same scenario everyone else is involved in, and you're just waiting to contribute. I feel like that's a flaw. More of the creatures that were... Because they, they ported stuff over into 5e, and they weakened them immensely. And in 4e, creatures had basically the same tool set that a mm -hmm. lot of the players did. They could do quite a bit of things and multiple things on their turn. And there's so many problems that I've had so far with, with like legendary creatures... Because um, those are often big one big thing that that you know like if you are unfortunate enough to be playing against five monks, it ain't gonna do anything. So I've I've tweaked a little bit. I've taken that upon myself. Like I don't like legendary actions. That's something that they added in for five e where it's like um, you have X amount of them. You can just interrupt the initiative and like do something because you're a legendary creature and you have the ability to do that because you're awesome. Yeah, the bigger creatures because <clears throat> when you're D D tries to make set piece creatures where like a dragon is supposed to be a big awesome fight that everyone's taking part in but like david and nick mentioned it's it's sluggish yeah because like there's, there's five, five pcs and one dragon and so the legendary actions are just like an action a, a small action that the dragon gets to have in the middle of someone else's turn that way it's not five to one actions it's you know and five to two actions so it's a little bit and more it's, dynamic it's a great start it gets it kind of gets in that direction of what you mm. want a monster to do when they're that powerful but I like, like, and I'll harp back to Legend of Zelda because I freaking love those games. And, like, those cre those monsters, especially in some of the better versions of them, they tend to have different states. Yeah. So as they get weaker, they do different things. So you're on your toes. You, you can't just assume this creature is always going to do a breath attack. It's always going to fly away. It's always yeah. going to do et cetera, et cetera. It's going to mm -hmm. alter itself across that battle. Mm -hmm. which, Video games are better. Which you guys, I think, kind of experienced in that one-off that I did that was, like, that vampire castle. <gasps> yeah. Vampire so. Castle. So those monsters did different things based off things you did to them and then also based off their HP pool. And they had more actions in the initiative depending on how much HP they had. So as you weakened them, as you beat into them and did more damage, they got weaker and they couldn't do as much on their turns. I'll give you a, I'll give you a inside secret. Red. The PCs don't notice that. Yeah, I mean that's fine, but I mean, I, and I think <laughs> don't don't overinvest in that. No, 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 no. I, I think that's the way that because uh, I uh, something that I picked up from Adventure League. The one thing that I enjoy from it is they have their DM screen and they have little initiative cards on top of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you saw that yep. in one of the most recent things that I did, and that gives you an idea as to what the initiative is. You have a little table, David, that you like to use that is kind of off to the side that nobody can see really. Um, I've been writing it on the map. Yeah, so, it, <laughs> but but this is... The thing with this is, like, you can see where the bad is, the bad guy is, in that initiative order. So, but you, like, seeing multiple instances of that kind of gives you an idea. And then as more of those fall off, because you're weakening it, you you can see visible progress, hmm. not only in your in-game world, but in the out-of-game character, you know, player, mm -hmm. DM interaction, that you're beating this guy. It's like seeing a, an HP bar go away. Yeah. So it loses an initiative I spot. Like I didn't sure. do I didn't do that when we were playing in that one because I hadn't learned it yet. But now that I have, I've been wanting to work it in because it seems really fun. So oh, I, hope it works yeah, I, I definitely yeah, I like remember that. when we were doing initiative orders when I was a PC. I would always write it down. Yeah. Like after the first couple rounds of like figuring out what the enemy did, it's like okay, I'm gonna write down initiative orders so I can start planning our turns. Right. Mm -hmm. Because when everyone's just like frantically, all right, he's here. I'm gonna do this. Oh wait, he moved and someone else is next to him. I've got to replan my turn completely. <laughs> so now it's just like okay, I, I know stab him I know who time. I have to wait for before I can actually start planning my turn. Okay, this is bizarre. You guys don't keep track of that. I didn't. I I didn't immediately. Again, I he was new to it. 
I didn't I didn't do it until two or three years ago. Um, I've been doing it for a while because it's it's important for the PCs to keep track of, but just because it makes it a little bit easier. But it I, I don't speeds re- the game up tremendously. Yeah, oh. I don't remember seeing other people write it down. I guess so I always figured like I was always mentioning how the initiative order was going. Well, well it, I, it always I felt like it was I don't up to the I remember hiding the initiative order. It wasn't hiding. It just wasn't like it's not clearly visible. It's not visible to the whole table okay. easily. Like if you're you can't the, just like look up and see it. If you're at that far end of the table, like you know John right now, even though this is a perfectly square table with equal sides. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it might be difficult. So that's all I was. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's fine. So that's the difference. Is like see, having both a vi- like an audible. You're hearing what's happening from the DM, and then visually seeing things change as you interact with it. I feel like that's you know it's sure. a pretty neat alteration mm-hmm. to it because legendary actions are just like. Oh, you did something really cool? Well, too bad. Here's a tail swipe coming at your face. Yeah. You didn't see that coming? Haha, <laughs> I'm a DM. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, so you can kind of just build it into the, the creature and, I'm show looking the, at, <laughs> and show the PCs that that's possible. Well, they yeah. can't react with a tail swipe? Is that what I don't know. That's fine. I, don't mind, I, I think uh, it's great for things when like, they do that. But... He hits uh, two-thirds of his HP, and he freaks out. Oh, they're actually hurting me. Panic I mean, yeah, that form of legendary action is in every video game. It yeah. is. It's in every, that's well, death in most D&D games, too. There's a lot of creatures that say, at this point, creature does this. Whether they're normally allowed to do it or not, it's we, like breath attack. We say that, yeah. but like one of the most popular games from recent memory, Destiny, uh, completely denied that and made a bunch of bullet sponge enemies that were literally just, hey, shoot this guy repeatedly. Something will kind of change. Do, but you, do you like Destiny? I liked it because I was playing with friends. Like, it, I... It was the cancer argument. I like right. It. Yeah. Exactly. It, it was. I call it the high school problem. I mean, effect. did I did I did I like Destiny? I was playing it like nonstop. I there, I, there I stopped existing. We lived yeah. together, and I'm, he didn't see me. I just didn't I'm see a him bit for obsessed with Assassin's Creed, and I kept bugging this guy to play. Yeah, no, anything it, besides Destiny. I got super behind because I was playing Destiny, and it's an it's an MMO in a way, but it's a shooter MMO like Borderlands. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's not an MMO; it's an RPG, but. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the cancer argument, it is a proposition by the infamous <laughs> Yahtzee of Zero Punctuation. Oh, I love him. Um, He's that, a fan. That yeah. whenever you excuse that a game is good with, fr- that a game with is more friends. fun with friends, yeah. so is cancer. <laughs> right. No, I I agree. And it, honestly, that... Well, but the, I, and that's not, that, that isn't just a total, that is not to write off having fun with friends in games. But it's just, it sounds like it's an obsessive experience more than it is it a is. satisfying experience. I mean, I can tell you right now, like, having a bullet sponge uh, monster in, in a tabletop RPG is super boring. Yeah, it's almost like, just like, like, you just run out of resources remember the, and you, you the, don't feel like you're getting closer. Yeah. Oh, I, I hated that monster because it, we spent we spent four hours fighting one roper. Which fun, is, fun, fun. Which is a, uh, it's a creature that has a bunch of tentacles and stuff and, like... Uh, it was just that you, you were you was coming you were, out of a pool that, okay. of lava, and if anyone got grabbed and pulled in, they instantly died. So we had to waste turns keeping our allies alive, which I know that sounds cruel in saying that in sp- that specific manner, but we couldn't damage the thing as often because yeah. of that. So At this the beginning fight of each of its turns dragged on. A tentacle would walk up right next to everybody, and it would grab them. It succeeded or missed, and if it succeeded, then they were you know they had to use an action or a move action to get out of it. And if they failed those, then someone else would have to spend their turn saving that person because, you know, we're invested so, in each other. And it just, it made the game way slower. And the fight, the, the monster did nothing different across all of those things. We eventually came up with some cool tactics, but, you know, it... It, uh, it just had 1,200 it, life. It just lasted yeah. forever. <laughs> we, and and we, got we didn't even get to like kill it, which was the most frustrating HP thing. Yeah, we got before it. And an NPC killed grabbed, it. was going to die... And, and then we did like, like they worked yeah. so hard. I, I imagine him thinking, right? They that's worked probably so what hard. the deal Let's was. Have a, uh, 
Deus Ex Machina character. Was it you and... who got grabbed? No, no it, was it was Tim. Oh, Tim's character. Yeah. It's new bar. I'm the one who. How did you got... guys know you were gonna die if you got submerged? It, it, it was lava. It was implied. Oh, whatever. That we couldn't. On the one lava. hand, we'd been grabbed by lava tentacles, but on the other hand, like. If you're being dragged under, it's kind of like being drowned, except you're well, also Well, the beast itself was, like, molten. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was, like, rocked over magma, or whatever the heck the terminology is for that. No guts, no glory. Lava. Right. No, we did a gut. I, dude, I shot a grapple arrow into the ceiling. This little the halfling rogue, rogue climbed, climbed up it, rope, jumped from atop its head, like, fell. Like about fell about 50 feet, and knifed stabbed it in into a crack it. on its head. I did, like... <laughs> 50 that was a lot damage. of fun. It was a lot more than my base is like 20, 10 that like, I've been doing. But yeah. to, to have moments like that, and like I, it as a player, a new player, that was like one of the first campaigns I got really into. <laughs> I got super upset because the fight was taken away from us. Like we had grinded for four hours on this thing, and then it ended without our without our control. I think it was down to like and I learned 10 HP. Yeah, like it was at like we'd done 98 percent of the damage to this creature. We were so close, but it was alive. And one of our characters is gonna die. So, so in a way, the greed of wanting the kill outweighed, or was outweighed by you know keeping a player alive, which made sense in the end. And I understood that eventually, but uh, it, it's the bullet sponge monsters that are so prevalent in Five E, and and I think a lot of D and D actually is just it's boring. It's a boring thing to fight against. I want an I want an interesting villain, an interesting enemy that's gonna react to what I did. Change tactics. Yeah, yeah. if you're hitting it with a bunch of ranged attacks. Maybe it should get in close, you know, swap up the style there. Find cover. Yeah, like, find cover anything. and do something. Instead of like, and that's like the published D&D books, um, they give you like ideas for how to play the, the characters. Like, like, mm-hmm. like there's, they give them tactics like, have for the enemies. Yeah, like tactics of it. It's characters. like this guy, you know, Throw should. Throw some minions in there to occupy. Right. No, no, that, that's completely true. Give him something to give worry Give some about. of the marital problems. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I would side with him at that point. I'd be like, man, Roper, you know. Her. But, yeah. Well, Roper, I already know. But, um... Yeah. It's got its pluses and minuses, but overall I enjoy getting together and playing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No, I... I it's a extremely fun... I mean, and I, I think it's made me more open to more other tabletop RPGs, too. I mean, they might not play exactly the same, but it, it's just fun to be able to make a story. Screw around. Speaking of which, an alternative to this has graced the halls of Offsite, which is what I ad hoc called this place that I'm living in right By now. By the way, the address right. is... No. Called <laughs> Fiasco. As, uh, again, I, I, love... can, I can edit any of this. That was a great game. You can... so a... Fiasco is a well-designed board game. It, it is. It's, it's... Game. I have yet to play it, but I've seen it played. I like it. it. That's dope. Oh, you have seen it played. Oh, okay. On YouTube. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. It's a... It's a... It's, a it's an improv. It's an eminently YouTubable game. Yeah. <laughs> Will Wheaton is way into that game. Oh, right. It's, he was who was playing, actually. Yeah, yeah. you were watching Tabletop then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, Fiasco is a game where you basically build a Coen Brothers movie in about the time it takes to <laughs> uh, watch a Coen Brothers movie. We, we built a uh, Tarantino slash... Um, yeah. It's up to the person. Yeah, there are a lot of Italians. A little bit. That's all I'm going to say. Our group has a predisposition for murder, so it leaned a little <sighs> harder in the Tarantino direction. A lot of dead folks. Yeah. Folks who wish they were dead. But uh, good times. No, only th- no, only one of our characters died, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All, all but two in ours I mean, did. Yeah. Ryan would have died, except he rolled a zero, so he had to have a fate worse than death. Yeah, <laughs> so, brutal. But uh, that game's a lot of fun. It's twenty-two bucks if you have three other people in your life. I recommend it. 
you'll figure it out. It's silly. It's dynamic. You get to see what people like to do or how they react to silly situations. So yeah, I, re- yeah, I recommend. And there's no dungeon master. No one has to that, waste four hours of their life prior to I thought showing that's what, up. I thought that's what your role was at first, but it turned no. out we could we were totally autonomous the entire time. Yeah, yeah just showing you guys the rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Sh- showing you guys how to play it. Right. No, that's it, that's one of the biggest hangups I have with Dungeons and Dragons. It's one of the biggest problems one with any of those games is that one person one guy spends twelve hours while everyone has to burn the all that time. Yeah, yeah. it's. I can see that point of view, but I do I do really enjoy seeing a story that I wrote come to life. Oh sure, well like, if I, if you're good at building stories like that, is yeah. I don't want to speak for Ben, but there was a moment in a campaign I was we had Ben Watts host a Mass Effect campaign, <sighs> That'd be fun. Yep. and we had an NPC who he started explaining essentially what our quest was going to be. He was the quest giver, and Ben started talking. And he started looking off into the distance, and he got like this wistful look, and I could feel how he felt in this moment, because he was so sad that we were about to shit all over the thing he had worked so hard on, because it's his child. I mean, it's hard enough writing a book in the, you know, this is the problem with writing a novel, is that it's the piece of you, and you don't even want to let other people see it. But you don't... D&D is like the worst version of that. Because they're ripping pages out. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, as long, you, you can build a skin. You can build a skin to resist that. And you, you, you learn lessons about what does and does not actually play to the PCs. Because a lot of the nuance is lost. Mm. But you can... You learn to distance no, yourself. It's, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a love-hate. I, I, like, as a DM, you, you write... You plan a lot of things, and that you always have to plan for things that you can never account for. But you never can. So, like, actually, like, I would think the best DMs, like, kind of like Matt Mercer on Critical Role, like, he just, he ad-libs so much. And it's just a testament to his ability to be able to, like, on the fly, just, you know, be like, okay, well, let's roll with that. Yeah, and, and, like, th- make a new character or something. And yeah. I think uh, a lot of that... Even some of that burden falls on the PCs, really. Like it, it does. The PCs should not go out of their way to make uh, things difficult for the DM. Like sometimes you got to see like where your DM is. I think I can't count the number of times I've had a simple scenario like a door, <laughs> and watch the most creative of aspects of trying to walk through a door. Right. Like it's ridiculous. It, it, yeah. People are are naturally cautious. But right. but that's also that was the point of my having pcs contribute to the story is to take the load off of the dm where mm-hmm. it's right. where it's possible to do that to make it a more collaborative experience mm-hmm. it's one of the many ways i save time on being a dm <laughs> i already i've i've given myself a rule that i'm not allowed to spend right. any more than an hour on preparation for stuff because it just it falls down a hole too fast. He's getting to that minute 59. He's like, all right, fuck. Boats. What? Yeah. Boats. Boats are so easy. Everybody, everybody knows what a boat looks like. I can only draw them so big on our map. But they still end up all... Yeah. yeah. I, look, I didn't say I could draw a boat. I'm just saying everybody knows what it looks like. Yeah. I I am shell-shocked with regards to boat and boat travel at this point. I, I, I don't think we'll it's ever get to that ha- water world. It's only uh, happening again because no. of you. So I had the to take back the my sand promise. Sandboats. <laughs> sand yeah, sandboats were fine because it was sand. Yeah, but then it broke and we had to fix it, even though we probably shouldn't have fixed it in the first place. Airboats. That's oh. what's happening. Oh, next. We had right. one of those. We had an airship. But yeah, I didn't we, let you do anything. We had a sand like sort of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. The trick, I mean, the hardest thing is not About saying boats. is not saying no as a DM. Oh. Okay. That's that's like the the segue from there was mm-hmm. like I would I would 
every time, like, if they wanted to do something, because, like, I, I said, like, they get to build the worlds that they want to mm. play in. So, like, one of them was like, I want a water world. And that was right around the same time we were playing your campaign. We were playing on a bunch of boats. I was like, this sucks. I don't want any boats. But, like... We'll do that world less. We'll swim. You can't say... You can't say... It, saying no ruins the fun for someone else. And yeah. sometimes you have to take that burden as a DM. Uh, that's the first rule of improv. Yeah. Is you say yes to everything. Right. You right. just keep it going. I was not good at that. Yeah. I would have a story, and if people were diverging too much, I'm like, no, it Fuck doesn't you, happen. Fuck you, this is my story. Like, look, Let I go of my story. I can't, it wasn't even a great I, story. I, I, I just didn't want to, like, replan what I'd done. Wasn't yeah. it? You gave us you gave us a, a quest one time, and it was like there were three places we had to go, we could go to, mm-hmm. and you had only written for one of them. I oh, think boy. you told me afterwards. So, like, we were, like, you were, like, all right, we could go north or south. And, like, you were, like, kind of leaning towards us going north because mm-hmm. that was the next best thing to go to progression in the story. Yeah. And everybody was, like, well, I want to go south. Let's go south. And you just kind of, like, you're going north. <laughs> yeah. No, see, Hoff. <laughs> no, no I, I remember handling that one. I, 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 de- I definitely did the magician's choice. It was still yeah. fun, though. It was uh, the little goblin and Blackbeard the pirate or whatever. Yeah. So it's, like, you guys are, like, oh, we want to go after Blackbeard the pirate. I'm, like, you guys should probably go for the goblin. My pirate. Like, probably. no, we're going to go for Blackbeard. That was the opposite. You guys have to go after the pirate. And everyone's, like, no, we'll go for the goblin. I'm, like, fine. You get to the goblin's house and he's being raided by the pirates. Congratulations. <laughs> you're now fighting the pirates. Yeah. No, that's, that's magician's choice. Hav used the term. That's, that's essentially what, what where. What does that you, entail? Magician's choice is the DM's best friend. It's where you say that you're going either left or right, and oh, whichever way it is, and it goes. The you same go thing. to the place that you want because the thing is, it's it, that feels cheap, but in well, they in don't a, know it in a genuine philosophical way. That is perfectly fine. Well, they yeah. would never know too, yeah, unless no you had a physical map. Yeah, unless yeah. they know. It's the idea that the the, the the magician holds out two hands and he says, "Pick one." And you want them to pick the right one. So if they pick the left one, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to put this one away. Yeah. As opposed to if they pick the right one, you say, okay, we're going to go with the right one. So yeah. regardless of what they... It, they get to still make the choice, but the outcome is the same because they don't know how it's supposed to end, and you do. Yeah, the hard uh, the hard philosophical way to break yourself on, on seeing this as cheating is to imagine playing poker mm. with the half of the deck on the bottom removed because hmm. that's the same game. If you yeah. can, if you, all you have to do is mentally overcome the fact that throwing away the bottom half of the deck Changes does odds. not impact the game. Yeah, and that's that's it's the same principle. Yep. Hmm. I I I wouldn't want to use that all the time though. No, if you I, can avoid it, yeah, yeah. try to avoid it. Like uh, I don't know, Haven was the name of that place. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would have never happened had I done that. Correct. Yeah, and I was glad I let it Surprise, happen because big but bads I, in the city. I put yeah. a lot of trust in you guys, though. What is Haven? Uh, so that was that that story they were talking about earlier, where they uh, they had two directions they could go. One was they were like ready to go fight the big bad and end this whole area, and then there was also like they could go flesh out John's character's backstory by going to this other route that you I hadn't complete written, his loyalty that, quest. That, yeah, yeah, basically, I hadn't so written, I hadn't written it at all. It was just I Everyone thought I perks. thought it was going to be something very you know minimal. Everyone did get get perks actually. Yeah, you did actually, and uh, but it ended up being this town that like was besieged by some of the troops of this big bad that they had to go fight, and had become drastically different from when his character was there before. So he had an, an, a reason to try to bring it back to how it was, but there was a lot of racism and stuff based off of what was going on in that area. So like, Javier's character was an elf, which uh, was hated by like this. You know that was one of the races they didn't like there, and then another yeah. character was a um, orc barbarian. Was an orc, yeah. So he was another class that was considered like below, you know, the the, the average class of the humans as, that were there. So as our cover to get into the city, we were gonna pretend to send, sell them into slavery. Yeah, 
Yeah. Which which was great. And like I made a slave trade caravan that was right out front that they 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 were it was just a caravan. It it started as just a wa- a bunch of wagons. It's a Conestoga wagon yeah, it was, with a big sign that said no, slaves. Well, on the it side. didn't have that big sign until they came up with the idea that hey, we want to be slave traders. It's like, yeah, they probably have a fighting ring or something in there that, you know. So like they did that and it made an awesome it, it it rolled into something that was beautiful, and I, that was actually my favorite part of that campaign we played so far. It was where, really good. where literally it was completely up to them to do stuff, and I I I I ad libbed a lot from Django actually. Yeah, he just reacted I, to what I, his decisions were. I, I made it. He was playing Django. It, it was we were we entered. Uh, 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 there was a character who was basically Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, it was a lot of fun, and it played out to something that. I chopped yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio's ankle off with a hatchet. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. Yeah, but uh, they they did something that I didn't even expect them to do, which was they they freed this town from oppression and established a new like order in that area uh, to kind of go back to what it was. That's a holy grail of D twenty games that I constantly see play out is the notion of the building of an empire. That shows up in a lot of campaigns. We did that in Chris's campaign in D20 Modern. For where the players or the bad guy? The players are trying to take over oh. an area mm. in some territorial, concrete way. I've never actually seen it play out successfully. Hmm. But it's an idea that DMs constantly seem mm-hmm. to have. where Because you, you, you can turn a city into a campaign. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, for sure. And, and part of that is that it gives your characters some, some kind of persistence. Like It's kind oh, of yeah. frustrating when your characters will meet new NPCs and maybe even like them. And never see them again. Like why, super Why should a DM invest time in making an NPC fleshed out if yeah, they're exactly. never going to see them again? again. Mm-hmm. So the city is really cool because you get to do the whole, you know, you, you come across an abandoned building and you slowly start patching the walls until it's, you know, your house and it becomes your castle see, kind of thing. And while you're doing other things like spotting, stopping crime and protecting that's, kids from That's drugs. the thing, though, is that I've never seen it work. It's, 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 I've never seen it finish. PC. Yeah, I, finish is it what gets, I would. It gets left behind. Mm-hmm. It eventually it eventually stops being the focus of the game. Oh, it's because of power creep. There, mm-hmm. There's a certain point where your characters are level fourteen. You outgrow and they're, the area. They're not cleaning dust off the city anymore. They're they're ready for something bigger. There's you can't. It's difficult to justify this city having a threat that's big enough to match your level ten and you know your level ten PCs. Like when you're fighting rats at level one, it makes sense. When you're fighting the local thugs at level two, it makes sense. When you're fighting the crime lord at level ten, it makes sense. But at a certain point, it's like, I'm better than who's this. going to stop us? Then yeah. why does it work so and well in Saints? The... Why does it work so well in Saints Row the Third? Then because you get to hit people with strangely shaped bats and right. change your gender. Video online. games are better. It's, al- it's also <laughs> it's also a one person experience at that point. Yeah. So no, you get a posse. <laughs> you can get Burt Is Reynolds anybody else game. playing them? What? Is there another active human playing them? What? No. I mean, no. Not in spirit. You. Is there enough cooks to spoil the broth here? <laughs> I mean, if I could have active spirit Burt Reynolds play it in NPC. No, you game. can totally have co-op in that game. But yeah, I, I, I do like that idea. And it, it usually works for several levels. And it also, like Nick mentioned, it gives, your, your, gives you a little room to breathe because you get to have a city that everyone's familiar with, NPCs that you're invested in, and that you've spent time with, and we're going to keep seeing, and mm-hmm. it's it's way useful. Just a handful that's, of levels, even. Is ironically, it's something we don't we haven't actually had yet. in, no. in my campaign, I don't and think that's we're just, going to. We it, well, working on it. So we we, didn't, we haven't done much of the it's, core world. It's a lot of hopping between different realms. It's basically if and you've played Magic, back. planeswalking. It and that means nothing to you, but it's uh, their characters have a unique ability to hop between different realms. 
We're just not, jumping not from continent at, to continent. Not at will, but um, it's just something that it it progresses the story along, and it's their reason for being together as a team. Mm. Um, tied in with a bunch of their other, you know, backstories. But, like, it gives them a chance to, like, it, you're not bored with, like, just, you know, the Sword Coast or something like that, where it's, like, the same freaking environment every time. And yeah. you get really used to understanding how this environment works. But they all kind of tie into each other still. So things affect one or another in one way or another. So yeah, it's it's yeah. cool. I like the idea of having a bunch of places that you guys are kind of mm-hmm. familiar with, but it it, it does make it difficult to blend in stretch. the home world. Right. Like we spend like off time on the home world. But right. know, we'll see. Nick it's, is the DM so he is. I'm trying to work on it. Like I I cue I a lot from Critical Role, which I'll keep harping on as like one of the best role playing experiences I've watched with regards to D and D. Yeah, They're, it's uh, Geek and Sundry's uh D and D It's a bunch of voice actors campaign, yeah. Playing uh D and D. Grogstrom. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> they have they have a home city that mm-hmm. they're from, and they have this NPC that like was just a lowly shop merchant guy who mm-hmm. they basically supported with like wealth that they acquired and yeah. made him. And he like now he owns Walmart basically. Yeah, and he basically <laughs> like sponsors them. So like if they, if they need like some special good or something, they can try to go that way. But they have this unique interaction with him that they know if they go back to that city, you know, hey, I got a guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of thing. So. Like a contact. It came full circle. Look, man, if you just helped Miguel out, if we had just talked, I think this would have solved every problem in the book. If you had, if you'd helped Miguel, he could have helped you, man. He couldn't help himself, man. (laughs) Yeah, that's why he needed you. you. I, I need. This is a two-way relationship, Nick. No, no, I need him to work for me completely. Uh, (laughs) He did right up until he was getting murdered. Yeah, that happened. There's only so much you can do, Miguel. All right. It's okay. Miguel too will come in. Maybe. Maybe. We'll, see. we'll never go back to that. Campaign. I think I'm Miguel. So. What? You're Miguel now. Yeah. There we go. We got one. The new Miguel. Yeah. New Miguel. That campaign diverged from where I thought it was going to almost every episode. Just every <laughs> episode did not go yeah. in the direction no, it, I expected it to. We we. Yeah. You guys think, didn't you guys didn't go to St. Kitts and that's when I vowed never to actually work on it. There ever was a again. lot of minor stuff that we thought you thought was important. Right. Well, and, and that's again, that's the directional thing. It's, it's well, a task. That's the difficulty of the open world, you know. Like, leave it to Bethesda. Fallout Four. How many people actually left the vault and pursued the main quest line to find their son before they started building settlements? Right. I didn't. Nobody. I really For all like I know, I was like, I have no son. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go build this settlement over here. Preston Garvey keeps, you know, jumping yeah, on my back about it. This settlement needs stuff. That one needs stuff. Yeah. That's the thing. Open worlds are difficult to work with. You have to give the illusion of an open world without... It's called a dungeon. Actually having made the entire world would be difficult. You have to give them the choice of all the options, but make them not want to do most of them. That's the magician's head, right? Well, that's... Except that if your world is persistent, this was where I I think the, the controlling of a city starts to fall apart is if you don't have a common understanding of what the city looks like. That is the worst of open worlds because... Mm-hmm. Players can drill down into anywhere, mm-hmm. and if you are if you are not prepared mm-hmm. for that, that's a lot of ad-lib to take care of because you need to stick to whatever you're going with. It's one thing if you are ad-libbing along the way on a path to a dungeon because right. they're never going to see any of that shit again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. Um, you're but actively if, building that but city. if you're building the city yeah. you got to put actual work into that to make yeah. sure it makes sense because your pcs might remember some detail that you mentioned offhandedly and yeah i was going to try that with the uh i accidentally put 
this most recent campaign to a vote and everybody went with 1331. <laughs> I was going to do a campaign set in 1985 on the outskirts of New York when something terrible happens to New York that you guys don't know. Ha- you have no idea what it is. You just know that no one's coming from New York anymore. And it was basically going to be that with a farm because the farm is a small enough plot of land. I think we could have got away with it. <laughs> Fair. But we'll never know. So Maybe next time. Maybe next time. I think it's just, given the option, we wanted fantasy. Yeah, you wanted Assassin's Creed. Because well, I said 1331 of the Vatican, and you were like, sign me that. up. Ironically, <laughs> I ended up not playing the Assassin, though. What? That was his brother. We do have a Templar. Yeah, we do we have a Templar. Templar. We do have a Templar. Yeah, I just made a really burly, ex- strong ex- Templar. guy. Ex-Templar, right. Yeah. I think not you're starting to dislike. Would you? My monk. What? Uh, Hopefully he develops some character traits so I can he like him. He has an incredible character trait. His, he has one character trait. Which is fantastic. Uh, I don't know if you that. guys have seen Full Metal Alchemist, he is General Armstrong, basically. <laughs> he is a, a bombastic, uh, muscle-bound bloke who uh, enjoys the might of his muscles. Yeah. That's one trait. Correct. Okay. It flushes us. Picture. We're working on it. You don't have to watch <laughs> the general for hours. I and feel hours. like I feel like every single character in our team has a single trait they stick to. I mean, yeah. I wasn't saying anybody else was better. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I need to defend myself completely. Yeah, yeah no. We all need to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, so hard. I, I just wanted to play that guy. No, it seemed, it seemed fun. Whatever. Don't worry. When he dies, Kate will come back. What? Yeah. <laughs> Spirit Dave, of Cade. David will be like, yeah, I'm done playing. <laughs> spirit. Of, well, no, it wouldn't be Spirit of Cade. It'd be like Spirit. It'd be like Cade's, Cade's great great grandfather. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay, Holly, you're right. Assassin's Creed does it. Anyway. What? Well, yeah. 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 So everyone's related. Karl Marx. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, P told me. That's all I got to say on D&D. Closing thoughts, Nick. Uh, tabletop role playing games are great. Uh, I think if you like writing stories or like building a story, that it is the thing for you. Uh, yeah, give it a try. Hav, don't let the rules get in the way of the game. Have some fun with your buddies. Drink beer. John, unless drink, you're not drink old beer. enough. Yeah. And uh, D&D's great. Play stuff. Yeah. Uh, no comment. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, D&D's fine. Whatever. David thinks it's, it's a fun it's it's a fun game. Just don't stick your nose in the rule book for too long. Yeah. On your right. turn. Right. Um True. All right. <gasps> Nick, Hav, John, me, thank you everyone for showing up on this auspicious eve. Thanks for having us. fun, yeah. Hope to do it again. Absolutely. Maybe. I'm going to have Thomas comment on this either extemporaneously on the side or in a separate podcast. You've been podcast. dangling Thomas over us yeah, for I, literally six months. Not for as long as the one machination log that I didn't put out. Oh, well, you know. It was the first one Jacob was on. Everyone's got to be a little teased. No, yeah. it's just rambling anyway. <laughs> what? I mean, what do we do beyond beyond uh, rambling? Uh, so. If you thought that one with Jacob was rambly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nah, nah, you pretty, guys yeah. mentioned it. It was pretty good. Anyway, this is David Paddock. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for... If you didn't understand a word we just said, have something not nice to say about it, or just want to check out whatever else is going on on the website, head on over to actualgarbage.net. Thank you for listening.